Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Man, I feel like we're back. I'm recording this intro from the shop for the first time in a long time, it feels like. Those of you who have been around for a while have maybe felt a little bit of a shift in what I've been doing with the podcast. And, you know, a lot of that is because I've felt you know, a bit of a personal obligation to the listeners who listen to this every week, you know, to keep things fresh while kind of still keeping true to the roots of the show, uh, which, you know, that's, that's meant to be a deep and informed conversation about the people who I think are the most important artists, whether they're musicians, visual artists, or otherwise, who kind of center around my sphere and, people who I look up to and and think are moving the needle in the arts and entertainment world. And a lot of that by necessity, I guess, tends to be people who live around me in, in Knoxville. And, you know, the second bell stuff was awesome because I got to interview a ton of high profile guests from, you know, Nashville or, Vegas, California, wherever, people that were in town for the Second Bell Festival that I had the absolute pleasure of talking to, uh, but they are not people that are familiar to a lot of the listeners, but you know they're familiar now, which I think is super cool. So it feels like maybe the podcast took a little bit of a tangential respite, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. But this is a back to the basics chat today. This is an OG SOS chat. I've got Curtis Glover on the show today. You guys know he's been here before. Uh, we did a double episode with Curtis back in July of 2020. The one where the uh, tree fell on top of my house during the middle of the podcast. Curtis has since then become honestly one of my best friends since that podcast we recorded back in July of 2020. I think Curtis Glover is the most important visual artist that we have in Knoxville. And I'm not just saying that because I adore the guy. I think you have to go a long way to find someone who is as influential to the visual arts fabric of Knoxville as Curtis Glover is. So I hope you guys enjoy my chat with my dear friend, Curtis Glover. Here it is. We're doing the podcast. Talk about some shit. <laughs> Curtis Glover, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you, bud. Glad to have you back after uh, after the last time you were here. A tree fell on my house. Yeah. And we, uh, I made that. I put that into one of the uh, uh, one of the compilation episodes because it was such a good moment in uh, SOS history. Yeah, I think uh, that was part of like the Patreon thing, or yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like voted or yeah. No, that was uh, that's a freak accident. <laughs> And then you threw in a uh, a tree advertisement or something on that I remember. <laughs> so, no, that's been, uh, gosh, I looked back uh, just today, July 2020. So it's crazy, man. It's been it's been over two years, bud. A lot of people will say it was irresponsible for us to even get together during that time. <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking back to that, and you know, and how much things have changed, and 
have just kind of just dissolved. Um, but I mean, I was still working outside and, um, I work alone anyways and would have yeah. a respirator on or, you know, I was, I remember I was paranoid cause I was finishing up the, uh, the old city wall with the, the bicycle uh, mural the bicycle and the dogs and the girls. So that one um, turned out great, man. It did. I appreciate it. I actually, uh, went by there the other day and the, uh, colors are holding up well with the varnish coat and everything. So, uh, yeah. So I got my eye on some other stuff in that area. Um, hope to, you know, add some more stuff over there. So, but, uh, yeah, since I last talked to you, it's kind of been all over the place, restaurants and hotels and a couple trips to Memphis and UT stuff and, uh, geez, just all sorts of things. I guess you're kind of, uh, you know, lucky to be in one of those industries where, you know, not everything got shut down for you because you do work outside. You work by yourself. You were still able yeah. to kind of work. Yeah, I wasn't. There was plenty of uncertainty there for everybody else. And I'm sure that the dollars weren't coming in. People were scared about spending their money on art because they didn't know what the future was going to hold. But yeah. at least you were still able to do your work. Yeah, I was still able to do my work. And I and I actually have some people ask me that throughout the years of like, oh, you know, did your industry get disrupted at all? And I, I most, mostly just said no because – uh, a lot of people's answers was like, you know, when you were stuck in the house, a lot of people were staring at blank walls, redoing their kitchens, you know, yeah. people are learning how to bake bread and all that shit that was going on. Bird watching. Bird watching, <laughs> you know, whatever. And uh, so, you know, that, that alone time, that downtime where you just had time to think and not do your everyday hustle at your nine to five and, you know, whatever. Um you know, I was somebody in an industry that you could call for an enhancement in your mm. home or restaurant or a building you own. Um, so, and then, you know, budgets weren't being spent. And so there was kind of a surplus to do some kind of cool things in the arts industry. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, took advantage of that. I've, I've noticed that there's, uh, you know, there's still plenty of walls in Knoxville that, uh, that need your work on it, but, Always. but there's, but there's, you know, you're starting to populate them and, and people are yeah. starting to look at, at blank spaces where public art could be an asset or add yeah. value. And you seem to be kind of the first call for a lot of people, uh, when, when they want to do that. But, I, you know, I went to Memphis recently and I noticed how much public art there was there yeah. and how much it adds to the city. And for, you know, all the, all the things that people like to say about Memphis, me included, like that's one of the things that they've gotten right. And the fact yeah. that I see your work and Megan Lingerfeld's work and other muralist work, yeah. you know, popping up around town, it, it feels like people are starting to recognize the value in, in what you do. Absolutely. And the, I'm glad you brought up Megan because uh, I'm not the only one getting the calls. She's been crushing it. Um, and then there's a few others. Uh, that do like niche design work. Some painters turn muralist, mm. graphic designers turn muralist. The Paris Woodhulls of the world. Paris Woodhulls of the world. Uh, Ashton Ludden, Sarah Moore. Um, gosh, um, I'm, I'm missing a few, but, um, and there's some graffiti guys that have come up to me that I've given leads to, um, that have done, you know, small assignments here and there just to figure out the, the business end of it and how mm. to, you know, uh, pitch yourself, and right. Make it a professional thing. Yeah. Because instead of vandalism. Ev yeah. Everyone's got this ability and it's like, how do you, uh, how do you monetize it? And I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it because 
I mean, you're basically just selling yourself and this ability that you have. And I think with the, uh, the kind of the influence of public art and what it's kind of becoming, there's this, there's this new wave, I think of artists that are like, you know, I think I can do it. Or if they see somebody else do it, they go, well, I know if they're doing it, then I can do it too. And so it's just like, it's like, there's like the kind of this, like the tide is rising, I think for, uh, public art spaces, mm-hmm. um, and, and people to, you know, make a decent living doing it in a, you know, mid-sized major city. Um, and it's and, cool to see. And making good businesses out of it. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, the cool thing is, is you, you forge these friendships, partnerships or whatever, um, with these businesses and the work is typically, um, you know, the, the process, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's very like intimate in terms of getting down to the detail, the representation of the business or brand. Um, it's client work. It's client work, but I've, I have found myself more times than not becoming, you know, very not close, but like, I, 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 I understand how that person works personally and professionally. And so, you know, if you pull off what you said you were going to do, it, it just becomes you like you gather an ally. Mm. And so a partner, a partner, if you will, even if it's a one time thing, but if you pull it off, that, that recommendation will go to the next and the next. And, you know, obviously Knoxville's, you know, like two degree separation. Sure. For better or worse, right. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I got to keep your nose clean. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, 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 you know, people talk and say, where'd you get that? And it's like, well, you got to call him or her and here's what they do. And here's, you know, um, and they can give you, they, they can give another person a background of how you operate and who you are personally and, you know, your process and, uh, to the most non-art crowd that's out there, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, interesting and fascinating to see how people go about their business mm-hmm. in the creative arts industry. So, well, y- you are, uh, an, an anomaly to me and I've, the more I've gotten to know you over the last two years, like when we did our, our first podcast together, I barely knew you. I'd met you one other time. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to say, yeah. I think we've become pretty good friends over the last yeah. couple of well, years. Well, I mean, we're all, we're always busy, but, uh, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I was like, did I go to college with this guy or yeah. like, <laughs> how do we know each other? So I, don't, well? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just that, that kind of mentality you have with people where, you know, you say a few things or you hit it off on the right track and you're just like this I like this person and yeah. it's you know just but but that but the anomaly has has still not even cleared up for me no, knowing you getting to know you better because you know you, you think of artists and you think of people who are professional artists and really you don't have another job like that's what you do for a living and yeah. you make a good living doing it and uh you're you know you're booked out you know a good amount I know and 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 you know it take, takes a little while to get to get Curtis Glover to work on your stuff, but yeah. um, you've got this like you. I don't, I wouldn't look at you in the street if you didn't have paint all over you when I when I see you in public. I would I would not think that you were a, an artist type. You're a man's man. You're a masculine dude. You just a uh, regular tall lanky Joe. Yeah, you know right um, right. But I, I, you, you're not this. Uh, you're not this stereotypical artist for me. And. Uh, it, it always surprises me how much of a creative individual you are and you live and die by, by that creativity. And you have, uh, that of course running 
running through you, but then you also have have kind of parlayed that and and married it up with this like pretty brilliant business sense too that seems to be a really important part of it maybe the most important part yeah of it it's it's kind of trial by fire though i mean i make mistakes all the time business wise or uh, creative wise both yeah both so i mean you know as a creative we're our own worst enemy when it comes to outcomes of results and stuff like that um so like i mean gosh i can openly admit i lose probably half my leads it's because i want to hold myself to a certain level and that person may not agree on the creative direction or the budget or you know whatever variables um you know that's just something i go with but i have the kind of the the drive and the determination to realize like it's either this work for yourself or go work for somebody else's dream and that's fine for a lot of people but i just realized once i went over to the other side there's no turning back so um, you, you know, you have to hold yourself accountable. Um, the work schedule is not a regular 40 hour week. So there's a lot of other sac. It looks all glorified and stuff when you post it online and all that stuff, which looks great, but there's a lot of, uh, s- sacrifice you do as well. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, being around family and friends or, um, finding particular processes that work and don't work a lot of trial and error. Um, so you got to kind of find out where you are in the scheme of things and the skill sets that you have and who's willing to pay what for just like any business where, I mean, you know, you could go to a bunch of different places here for the same product and the price is fluctuated. It's like, well, how much of a quality product is that particular thing compared to the other person? That's a little bit cheaper than, you know, what's the overhead to it and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, there's a break-even kind of mentality you have to do, diminishing yeah. returns. You yeah, know, and I've, I've... Yeah, exactly. And in getting started, you know, um, I ate shit plenty of times. Yeah. Um, where I was just like, man, this this wasn't worth it, but it's in a high traffic volume area and all that mm. kind of stuff. Um, those are business decisions though, right? Those are business decisions and what you're willing to work for. Um, obviously, if you keep going, it gets better. Um, but I still... At, to this point now that I've, I've done a lot of big projects and I'm still not satisfied. I'm getting to the point now to where I see certain areas that are up and coming and I get on the, uh, um, like the Knox GIS or whatever. Yeah. The KGIS where you can see who owns what building. You can see who owns what building, what they paid for it, when, what they paid for it, when (laughs) the title, you know, name on the title and all that kind of stuff. And I'll look these people up on the internet and I'll email them, call them. Really? Yeah. And I'll, and I'll say, Hey, there's a wall there. And they'll, you know, sometimes they'll be like, Oh yeah, I've had other people ask me about this, but, uh, I, I would rather have, they're like, they're like, what do you have in mind? And it's like, well, I want to do this. And I'm like, ah, I'm not really, not really digging that. And it's like, well, it would cost you less if you let me do what I do. And let's like, let's agree to like a year or something like that. Um, but I'll try, I would try and do something tasteful for the general public to enjoy, that happens to be a, you know, a, you know, if it's photo worthy or a good place to, you know, hang out. Now, a lot of people have said, well, I want you to add my product and my logo in there. That becomes a business proposition. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Mountain Dew 
uh one yeah. for me like that's the one that comes to mind uh the south knoxville one yeah that you did yeah i did not reach out though that was pepsico uh right. and a marketing firm reached out and they said but that was like product placement brand integration yeah, type yeah stuff. and those are you know those don't always come across my plate um because i like to do a little bit more unique custom stuff but you know the the money was there and the uh you know the content that was like the third mock-up i i did two other versions that really were not that great uh personally and then that was the one and we uh we hit it on the money and uh you know i think i drove by it last week it's still pretty vibrant and sharp and everything because i you know i protect all of my investments if you will yeah i remember when i was talking to you we were looking at a building uh the free service tire building uh that's next to public house Downtown. Yeah, and I, I just, think that's how we met, right? Uh, I believe uh, it, it was was talking to you about maybe doing that building if we were to if we were to rent it or buy it. And I, I think you know, just hearing you talk through the process of like, man, first off, that thing is going to get like I don't want to do that now. I don't want to do that wall now because it's going to get wrecked by graffiti guys or by yeah. you know vagrants or whatever. Well, but, probably more so vagrants. The graffiti guys aren't that bad here. Um, I, and I, I, I'm sure the graffiti guys know your work and they don't mess with you. No, nah, some of them are nice, and uh, I don't know most of them, but just from what I've heard and stuff, it's you know there's like a like a no beef thing uh, yeah. policy of. You know, if it's ever come down to it, and if I can reach out to anybody like that where there's uh, some tags or throwies on the wall or whatever, because they know it's going to get buffed anyways, I will try and find that person online or something and say, hey, you know, we don't know each other, but uh, I've been hired to paint the mural for the business owner's building. Right. And uh, that's going to happen. And then for the most part, people just been like, oh, yeah, that, your, your shit's cool. Like, don't worry about it, man. It's fine. And, you know, I've some of these people I've never met. Um, and it's just like, there's like a mutual kind of respect. And then there's some people that want to watch the world burn too. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, there's that, but it's like you said earlier, there's so many walls to paint. There's plenty of walls to do murals on and plenty of walls to do vandalize. <laughs> and, you know, there's, yeah. So it's, uh, well that, uh, so that's when you were talking me through the process of how you protect your walls when you're done, like you, you spend, you know, months sometimes uh you know painting these murals yeah and then what's the process to make sure that nobody can mess them up so there's a couple different things what i was doing that was like uh would ensure like ultimate uv protection is i would use um golden golden brand paints like artist paints they make a bunch of gels and clear coats and stuff like that i would use a uh soft gel gloss which acts as an isolation coat what's that what's an isolation coat um well the soft gel gloss is almost like a matte medium it's just like a thicker paste and mm. basically that is a uh, a waterborne type material mm -hmm. so that seals in the artwork and it gives it a little bit more kind of depth contrast to it so it's kind of a clear coat but it, yeah it it's brings... a clear coat you can spray or roll um which one do you do uh, I typically spray it with a, with a, a like gravity fed gun yeah. with my compressor just because it eliminates roller marks or brush mm. strokes. Yeah. Um, but it also brings out the colors in it too. It, yeah. It gives it a little, yeah. Cause it's like a, it's a, uh, it's a gloss, uh, tinted, um, clear coat, but it's not like, uh, it's not shiny. Well, no, it's shiny, but Is like it? It, it, weather, weather can still be a factor. Hmm. 
that separates the varnish from the artwork. And I'll go in with a satin varnish, UV protectant varnish from Golden as well and protect that um, and do two coats of that. So you have an isolation coat and then two varnish coats. And the reason why you have the the isolation coat is to say somebody comes and tags it and, you know, draws a dick on it or whatever, something obscene. You get the solvent to break down and like you can get like anti-graffiti remover. I think it's called like world's best anti-graffiti remover from like granny pain and stuff like that. Um, you break up the vandalism or whatever that, you know, paint is and it'll eat through the protective varnish coats that are blocking it from the sun. But the fact that solvent is not going to eat through something water-based. So, so it's, yeah. So, so what, say somebody takes a can of spray paint to one of your murals and they hit it with it, then you can go in with this solvent and it'll take away what yeah. the only thing that their spray paint stuck to was the upper two coats of was what the, you made was the was the last coat of varnish, but so you have to get rid of the last but, coat of varnish and well, to take away their it'll, spray paint. It'll dig into both of those coats of varnish, but then it stops get, at the ISO coat. It stops at the ISO coat, uh, which protects the actual artwork. So and also like there's ways to finesse kind of cleaning up with like you know small nylon brushes and just being meticulous about it. Right. Um. So that like that protects the original work so you're not if you don't clear coat it somebody spray paints on your stuff and you you know do a solvent to clean it up because you need you need some sort of thinner you know like an acetone or whatever to break up the 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 the, the vandalism or whatever that eats into your actual artwork right. and it goes down to the brick or the mason you know whatever right. and you're down to square one with less layers so that ice that becomes uh like the varnish coat that I've used is sacrificial now on the flip side and Megan's used this in in the art alleyway and some other um projects as well is Sherwin Williams makes a uh marine coating that is non-sacrificial that is almost like a gel something mm. I guess you would see on the outside of like boats so it's like a dry erase board <laughs> or dry erase. Well, no, it's like it's it's like a like a sticky gummy uh, material um, that even if you spray paint on it, um, like you can't prime over the project. Like you can't if you wanted to go over somebody's painting and they, and they had a marine coat clear coat on there from Sherwin Williams, that paint would just slide right off. Kinda, really, kind of like do you remember? Uh, it's been a while. But it was really hot one summer and like hundreds of layers from the rock at UT, yeah. all those paint layers came yeah. and it looked like a big colorful like like encyclopedia book of just paint colors. Yeah. Like that's what that's what the paint will do or primer if you try and go over a marine coated clear coat mural. It just it slides right off because there's no adhesion. Yeah. So um there's that. And then also a lot of artists use Vandal Guard, which is another product I haven't used yet. But um uh there's a lot of stuff there, but the main thing is to clear coat your mural if you want it to last a lot longer, especially yeah. if it's exposed east-west, you know, in the sun. Um, and also reds and yellows tend to fade quicker. Mm. I've learned that the hard way um, just because the pigments don't last as long. They're not as deep. Um, and uh, Isn't red the tattoo color that won't come out, though, or something like that? Have you heard that? You're talking to... Uh, Artist that has zero tattoos, bud. So, 
<laughs> but it's just strange to me that that red is the one that uh that they that they for you it's the one that goes away the quickest but for like yeah you hear people with tattoos say that that the red is the hardest one i think red is the yeah, hardest one to get I mean, out when they go to uh remove tattoos that could be something with like skin chemistry or something but i i guess just the type of wavelengths from the sun that bounce off and gotcha. absorb or reflect. I'm not quite sure, but uh, those, like, if you do a mural and the background's red, it'll become like a lighter off kind of pastel red after a while. Do you compensate for that when you're painting? Do you say, I, this is maybe too bright for a year, but it's going to, it's yeah, going well, to calm down? That's like, uh, also, you wouldn't use, I wouldn't use like artist paints. I'd use like maybe a top of the line Sherwin. Uh, paint like a resilience or uh, I think they the resilience switch to latitude or like duration like a like a like a top grade highly pigmented thick ex exterior paint gotcha and not like some generic you know house paint to where you can make it last longer but that's that's where the you know that's where the clear coat stuff comes mm. in too for the UV protection so so what about this this idea of like, you know, you're, you're busy now. And I know that you mentioned that, you know, you are able to, you know, turn down projects now that, you know, maybe don't fulfill you creatively, or you're not really able to, to do them the way that, that maybe you feel like you want to do them. Do you think that, like, do you think it's important for artists to, I guess, to do that in the beginning, do the work that just has to be done to get your name out there and do all that. But do you find yourself at a point now where you're busy enough that it has enabled you to leverage yourself to do more creative projects because yeah. you're able to turn the not the ones that you really, that people are stifling you yeah, like, that you don't want to do, turn them down. Like anything, it's good to set boundaries, I think, in any you know form of business to where you you don't burn yourself out. And honestly, I go through burnout every couple of times, you know, every other month with really? just go, go, go. And then it's like, all right, I need to step back and take care of myself, take it easy, you know, catch up with my nephews, you know, do more things with my girlfriend and like, just, just do all that, that kind of social meaningful life stuff that actually matters more. Right. And, um, with, being busy enough, you can cherry pick and, and prioritize, um, and go based off of your, you know, previous client work and kind of where you're in demand more so than others. And, or it's like, I haven't done this type of business yet, or it's located here, or it's in another city and they're going to pay for my travel. Like there's, it's, it's very incentive based. Um, but I do, I mean, I've always kind of, uh, been kind of choosy even in the beginning where it's like I have this vision of wanting to paint these murals uh, that are you know at least 10 by 10 or whatever and then somebody hits me up for like can you do a portrait of my kid or do a pet portrait of whatever of Fido and I'm like ah, I'm trying to not <laughs> do that like and there's nothing wrong with doing that some right. people can crank those out and make good money but I want something that is part of like public culture or like just the look of the city so like my my casting net's a lot wider than having a painting in somebody's house which i'm not against personal commissions i've done those before but i want to do something that has staying power that people look at in the general domain of the city 
and go, oh yeah, he did another one and that's cool. And I'm glad he's doing that. And the contents, you know, business owners have different tastes and I have different styles and it's not for everybody, but I'd, I'd, I'd want to be more uh, geared towards producing something for the public that people enjoy. And sometimes that means you got to wait and you got to kind of pick and choose your battles. And like, I, like I said, I send out, I cold call, I cold email. I mean, I'm not, I'm still as hungry as ever. I've got enough things to where it's like, Oh, I've, you may have heard of my work around town, but, uh, to me, it's never good enough. And I don't think that's like a bad thing. Like I'm always chasing the, you know, the carrot or whatever. It's just, that's how I'm just built mentally. I just want to go bigger, better. I want to be able to learn things. I want you to look at something from five years ago. That guy's been on on his game and he learned more and I can tell why he's gotten better. And like, maybe it's color theory or design or like, I, I would love to learn how to, you know, draw figures better and learn more anatomy um, and learn certain design movements and different eras that I can kind of pluck ideas from. And, uh, you know, to where it's like, oh, he's well-versed mm. in the whole, you know, scheme of things. So, um, and that, that can be advanced or subdued with who calls you and what they want. So, well, as I, I've, I've run into this before, so I'm going to project a little bit onto you. Go but for ha- it. Have you ever. Do it to spec, buddy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> have you ever, uh, have you ever gotten a project that was not that you could tell from the get go wasn't create wasn't going to be as creatively fulfilling or you weren't going to be able to have the autonomy that you wanted so you threw out a stupid number for people so they would so they would to price yourself out so they would say yeah. no yeah and then they said yes uh, uh you don't have to say who but have you done that before a few times and they've and they've they've called your bluff okay. and said yeah here's here, this is twice as much as yeah. it should be but where <laughs> yeah so so if you have done it before like how do you find how do you still find uh, the joy yeah and uh, not even the joy yes the joy but how do you also find the grind to go uh, to go out and finish a project that maybe you didn't start out well, that passionate about there's yeah and I feel like in your your field, you've probably dealt with it before too, and especially a lot, a lot bigger clients where you're like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's kind of a dumb idea. And then, <laughs> but you, I'll do it. <laughs> and for the you know for the right price. Yeah. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think of like certain situations. I've done it before. I'm like, you know what, toss it out there, and then you go, oh, shit, it's it's on. They bit. <laughs> they they bit. Um, it's it's only been a couple times, but um, then you go, okay. And here's a good way of thinking about this. Instead of saying, you know, got you hook, line, and sinker, you go, okay, they believe I'm worth this much. Right. I didn't know I was worth this much. So you kind of, you kind of almost surprise yourself and you go, all right, it's on. And you go, all right, if they, if they're committed to me more than what I think I am because I didn't want the project, but they really liked my work and they complied to whatever price increase, whatever, um, you know, it's like, it's like buying a vehicle, you know, they, they try and get you like however much they can. Um, same thing in the art world. I mean, why do you, you know, paintings are cost, you know, tens of millions of dollars and all that kind of jazz. But, um, uh, but you switch your mindset over to, okay, this is a thing now I need to give it my best. Wow. And I will put it, uh, and I will 
keep budging and leaning on them creatively right to get the thing that I kind of want to get in there to get what you initially wanted to do if, to if they want a b and c can I do like you know d e and f and f1 f2 f3 you know like yeah like I want to get all the little intricacies in that I want based off of your idea and if you trust me and if you're going to pay me whatever amount that you think I'm worth I feel like you should also listen for the guidance because I'm not going to go off and do something that is off the reservation of what the business model is for those folks. I'm going to try and do something and then deep dive even more and enhance it to where they go, Oh, I didn't see it that way. But now that you said that, that's a good idea. So you can double down on the cost and then you can double down mentally on the creative process. And that kind of makes up for it. So in a sense, like if you go, okay, I'll do it and you get paid whatever. And you're like, well, at least I made money. It's like, well, you also, there's like, to me, there's like an artist's kind of integrity in terms of the mentality of leaving a legacy of your work and portfolio is you want to, you want to kind of have that back and forth uh, discussion of, can I get what I want out of this creatively because if you do it and you get paid, you go, all right, I don't have to work for the next two or three months, but I'm not going to let anybody know I did it or post about it or, you know, and I've done stuff like that. I see what you mean. J- just do stuff for the money. But I want to, I, I want to be like, there's a little, you can tell that there's a little bit of me in there, even if, even if it's very rigid, right. rigidly corporate uh, type, uh, you know, verbatim style guide, you know? Yeah. So do, do this. Yeah. No, I, I know you want to do what you want to do, well, but I, do this. Yeah. I mean, I did a bunch of, uh, I had some things fall through this year and I did a bunch of signage that I didn't really post because I don't want to be known as a signage guy. Right. But I can do some really cool stuff and a lot of hand painted, mm-hmm. you know, uh, calligraphy and fonts that's, that's coming back uh, because everything's printed on vinyl now on billboards. Um, you know, sign painters used to be a very busy job, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that's, that's coming gone. Now it's a gigantic printer the size of this room. Yeah, that it prints can, on vinyl and you go stretch on it vinyl over a billboard. Somebody stretches it like a vinyl wrap on a vehicle and then they can change it the next week if they want to. Yeah. Um Well, the the thing about that kind of work that I've that I've really come to enjoy and when you try to, you know, lean on someone creatively, when you try to lean on a client in in some cases, uh creatively and, and you're trying to push your your idea and they kind of rein you in a little bit. Yeah. What I've found out for us, and I know we have, it's a much different workflow, how we, you know, how, how we make pictures and how you make pictures. But something that I've found that really works is give them what they think they want first right. and, and, and give that to them because that's what they paid for. That's what they expect. Yeah. And then give them what they really want well, there's, after that, there's been, which is what you're bringing to the table. There's been times where I've just like, all right, just, just kind of. What they didn't know they get, want, I guess, is what get, I mean. Give, follow the plan. Give them the generic thing before you embellish anything just to make sure to see if it's the right direction. And then you're like, you do what you're told because, you know, it's work for hire, basically. And, uh, you know, like do the things that they said to do, follow the objectives. And then you're plotting all these things, all these different ideas and layers and, you know, all this, you, you have this grandiose plan of you have a whole quiver full of intricacies you're ready to just spring on them at any moment arrows of just wow factor and all this kind of stuff and you're like i can't wait to show them the next phase then they go that's what we want that's good right there and you're like okay well 
for one, it makes your job easier. Two, you don't have to go through another round of mock-ups. They're already sold on it. Um, inside as an artist, die a little bit, but it's, you know, you're like, well, I'll do this to the best of my ability and on to the next. You just don't, you don't get attached to it. And I've done that before where I get attached to something and I'm killing time and killing time and nobody's going to see that extra little color fade or you know, the lines a little off or whatever in the mortar, the brick, like nobody gives a shit about that. Cause you're looking at it, you know, 20 feet away. Um, you gotta be able to walk away from stuff all the time. And I've, I've done that. I've, you know, not done work for a client after the fact from the experience. And then some, I'm like, can I work with you again for a discount? You know? Right. So it, it comes down to, personality and people management and uh all that stuff and that that's a good uh that that's a good lesson for people that are commissioning this type of work is what you just yeah. said there's some people that by the end of the process you're completely exhausted and you're like yeah. uh, they 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 paid me great it uh but you know i i would i would probably you know not do this again uh in the same way and then there's people that yeah. you work with that you're like, man, I am dying to work for that person again for less money because they were such a joy to work with. And they, and you know, there's a lot of psychology that goes into yeah. that, of course, but that is a good, I think that's a good lesson for, for, for anybody who's commissioning artists or commissioning any kind of vendor work. Yeah. That happened. Uh, example, I think I might've mentioned him on the other podcast, it's been years and I know he's not even with them anymore, but, uh, Nadim Jubron for first watch. Yeah. We did one that was like everything he asked for. And I think I'm reiterating myself or repeating myself, but like, as we progressed into seven more projects, it got more and more freedom. And it was like choice to where it wasn't as stressful going through the process. And I've had other clients like that too, um, where, they're like, okay, our, we, we're past the introduction phase of trying to figure each other out and how we work and what we want and what yeah. we don't want. I know who you are now, so go do the thing and add your flair like you did last time that I wasn't expecting, but now that I am, I'm looking forward to it. And mm -hmm. that just like kind of strengthens that relationship. So, um, and plus, like, I can get my opinions out to the client face to face or over the phone or email, whatever they want to do. Um, whether they're happy or upset because when you work for yourself, there's no HR department of <laughs> bullshitting around <laughs> statements and impressions and all that. You can just say what you're feeling or thinking and go, here's why I would make this decision. And I wouldn't go that route because of this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no, there's no ego involved. It's like, we're just trying to find the best result of how you want to look to the public or however you want to market or sell your business. And I like that aspect of just being able to talk to the people one-on-one -on -one instead of going through marketing right. interns or whatever, you know. Well, and then the stuff. free market gets to tell you if you did it right or not, yeah. right? People and, get to say, yes, I like, I like him. I like yeah. working with him. I like his ideas. I like the way he communicates or man, yeah. he was, he was, he was really pushing back on that idea. I don't and, want to work with that guy. And, and I guarantee you the people that I'll never work for, uh, have probably talked to somebody that said, he was very stubborn or, uh, I didn't like his direction or I just, I didn't like his freaking face. I don't know. <laughs> like, and, and that, that loses a lead you would never hear. It's like, uh, when you, uh, it's like the poor souls that always uh, shit on restaurants on like Yelp or uh, TripAdvisor or whatever. Trolls. Tr well, trolls, but just unhappy people. Like 
when you see uh, a, a business that's rated online, that that rating is typically um, people that are unhappy and need to get something off their chest. But I don't know when I have a bad experience. Say, say I go to a restaurant or a mechanic shop, whatever that charged too much or whatever. I just don't go back to that place. The, right. the silence, the silence of uh, of of not saying anything negative, I think hurts more than people trying to air their grievances because word of mouth is everything. And I've learned that in this business, in this town, that, you know, if you give a bad impression or you go about it the wrong way and say, you know, say we weren't even doing this podcast and you were still talking about that mural we talked about all those years ago and I rubbed you the wrong way one night over beers or something that sounded terrible but um <laughs> but like you know i said something that you didn't agree with and you're like ah we don't need to work with curtis he's he's you know i just don't like the guy or he's a liability or whatever i would never hear that and then all of your constituents would hear that and i'd be wondering why like hey they, they're opening all these businesses they have all this wall space right how come i how come i can't get in yeah the the message is pretty clear at that point yeah and there's that silent treatment everywhere you go um that's just part of it and you know, the thing is, I think for any young entrepreneur, business owner, whatever, um, you need to not think about that. You can acknowledge it exists, but my mentality is you're not going to stop me. I'm going to find a way. And I have approached uh, people that uh, have some really great opportunities for projects that have either not replied or kind of yeah 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 me or blew me off or whatever but you know what i'm gonna find another wall i'm gonna find another city or i'm gonna find another business owner and i'm i'm only gonna try and get better so i'm gonna knock your socks off and then i want you to look at the wall and go shit we should have called him when he approached us because you've got a chip on your shoulder mentality always (laughs) always in like the most positive manner um no it's it's because nobody's going to hold you accountable except for yourself. Nobody's managing me. Nobody's uh, saying, Curtis, well, it'd be a lot better if you you know, did this or that. It's like, no, I, I have this goal to produce. And, you know, like, I, like you said, it, I take a little longer because I'm meticulous in nature sometimes. But as long as the drive is there, I'm going to keep going. Um, you know, I got to get my hand cut open here tomorrow morning. Uh, I got a thing. But, uh, what happened? Uh, I was, I had an all, I was a like, what? An all, I think it's a W L it's like a, like a solid metal pick, um, oh. for like using like framing and stuff to pluck up like staples or, oh, nails or, or for like, or na- yeah, stuff like that. Um, and I stabbed myself in the hand and it's, been, looks like it's bothering you. Well, I think something got stuck in there. It's infected. I don't know, but uh, they're going to numb it tomorrow and cut it out. So, um, but it's my paint hand, so it's it doesn't really hurt. It's just annoying, and I want it out. But um, uh, but like I'm always going to find a way to persevere and go on because I've made such a leap personally, um, in in what I thought I should have been doing all along and was too scared to do. So I feel like the chip on the shoulder is making up for lost time because hmm. I didn't start this whole art thing until my mid-30s. I was working in a bar and I was working spraying kitchen cabinets and putting frames together. And all those things led to what I'm doing now, 
with the network that I, I made and then the opportunities I asked for or that came my way. But I feel like I owe myself to always keep going and find a way. So whether that's pushing myself for, for new techniques or having to cast a bigger net to travel more, uh, negotiate better, whatever, like I owe it to myself and nobody else. So I hold myself accountable. You can't come to me and say, Curtis, here's all the things I don't like about you. It's like, I already know. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. So, you know, self-awareness is a huge thing. And a lot of people need to figure that out that I've met where it's like, oh man, like <laughs> just at a distance, you see people and you go, how, how does that, how's that person day to day, you know? <laughs> How, how, how do the coworkers deal with that person and all that kind of stuff? Because I typically deal with the main person and then I have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, get on the same level creatively yeah. and make it happen for them. So, so the, the chip on the shoulder thing seems to be one of the most effective product productivity catalysts I've ever seen in my life. It could be your downfall too, though. Can it? Yeah. So, so I, I think the reason I, I identify it as a, a catalyst for productivity is like Scott West was here and was- I talked was, to Scott the other day. You did? Yeah. So he was telling me, uh, I, I asked him like, what, what, like why, man? You've got, you've got a, a successful empire. Like what, what keeps, what keeps you driving to do it? And he's like, you know, in not so many words, he said like, I want to prove to all those assholes that put me in jail yeah. that I'm not a loser. And that yeah. you can take it all from me, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall. To, you're not going to beat me. Yeah. And I, I'm going to keep pushing through. Well, and he, the guy just paid two and a half million dollars for a building on Gay Street last week. Yeah. That he has yeah. big ideas for, you know. Um, that and uh, taking over uh, Blackstock. Yeah. Um, the, the old the, yeah, Valerium the Luna, or Luniverse. The whatever. Yeah. So like we were discussing that and uh you going to do some work there? I don't know. I, I have no idea. You we'll, should. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um but uh I appreciate that like I don't go to Press Pub or Scruffy much at all and stuff. Um but I appreciate his mentality of proving everybody wrong and I I and I listen to his podcast on here and he's got that spark of you know uh oh yeah, watch me. Yeah. And that's kind of cool coming from a guy that has a lot of pokers and a lot of different fires business wise and you know the revitalization revitalization of that corner of market square and beyond like it's it's cool to see that drive i mean do i think there's enough bars and breweries in town yeah <laughs> but it's cool to see somebody that ambitious i don't care if they're knitting socks or something like it's cool to see that drive out of, of business people yeah especially when they uh Especially when they're including a whole community of people and not just doing it for their own. They they want to change something about the city, much like, you know, me and like the Megans, the uh, Lingerfelts of the city that want to do something bigger for this, for the, you know, the surrounding area for people to enjoy, you know, whether it's uh, a product or service or uh, something visually. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And if I can't find enough work or the leads dry up or I don't like the direction it's going, I'll find another place, you know? Um, so what are the threats 
to you? I mean, uh, other than yourself being being a threat, whether your quality goes down or you know, other I don't want to deal with him. He's an asshole. Other whatever. than cynically self sabotaging myself, <laughs> um, you know, which, you noticed I picked one of those as uh, as no, it's, I, but I know who I am. So <laughs> I know who you are. Too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I can be an asshole to some people. But, but what are the threats to, to, to you that could slow you down or, or to stop you? Uh, well, I've said it before about the competition. Um, but you seem to be I'm always, achieving above the competition. Well, I mean, I'm up there, but there's 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 some there's some people gaining and, and, and have probably taken the lead here and there in, in certain sectors of business. But, Jockeying um, for position. Yeah, but I've talked to those people mostly, and it's like, hey, rock on. I mean, I've... Uh, Cooperation, yeah. Like Lingerfeld and I worked on the Marriott together. We were supposed to I think originally bid against each other, but we both combined forces and rocked almost seven thousand square feet at the Marriott Maker Exchange there on Clinch, and that was awesome. But I've also lost bids to her on national calls and yeah. other art competitions. But she paints differently than I do, so there's more than enough to go around. Now, I could have maybe competition underbid me they could act like my friend and i could give them my price points or at least vaguely comb over it right let them know and, where your bid is going to be then and they, they go can... i'll do it for five bucks a square foot cheaper or whatever but maybe the 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 level is there's a big difference in the the quality the quality and but there's also business owners that are willing to do that um that say I just want something. It doesn't need to be great, but it's just yeah. this. And that's what I mean when I mentioned it's a, it's diminishing. A, it's, a, it's a Smoky Mountain scene, and it's all you know, three different layers of blues or whatever with a sunset, like something like generic, like that could go to anybody. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna charge more because of my experience and all that. Um, but you could have a art student. I've lost bids to uh, uh, clients or possible clients that are like, well, uh, my niece is in high school in art and she's aspiring artist. I think we're going to give her the job. And I'm like, rock and roll, <laughs> dude, go for it. I, I was, I and, forget. And, and they turned out great. And I'm like, <laughs> good for that person. I will see you in however many years. And maybe we might paint together. I don't yeah. know. I, I do have like, I do have this, like I said, like pessimistic type of mentality, like, like personality, Although I think I'm probably a teddy bear deep down. You, but, you're you're the best kind of cynic. You're a teddy bear cynic. But but like I'm also like great. You get you get hung up on one thing, uh, then it it's gonna ruin you. I mean I've been in that position. We've probably all been in that position where you're in a relationship for a while, and then something happens and it doesn't go right, and you're bummed out, and it affects you for months, years, or whatever, and you're not the same person. And you're just kind of a bummer to everyone else. We've all had buddies that have gone through that. We have all gone through that and women, vice versa, sure. where a person is just different. But you got to think of like how short our life can be and to just move on and to get to the next thing and prove your worth to the next person. I don't care if it's relationship, personal business, whatever, whatever aspect that you're trying to achieve it's it's more of all right dust off your shoes let's let's get back to work let's figure some shit out let's do something that you think is true and pure to your heart you know that you can actually get paid for and you can make somebody happy doing and that's kind of what it's all about so 
you know, in terms of, uh, what, what, what can like stop me and stuff like that. It can, it, you, you can't, you're not going to completely stop the momentum. Now you might be slow you, you down over time. You, there might be a pebble on the side of the highway. It might bump and go, Oh man, I, I you know, whatever. Or you might have the radar gun and the speed trap that I'm going to go to the speed limit, <laughs> but then I'm going to, I'm going to rev, rev it back up once I'm past you. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, uh, some things that I think stop myself is my style. I'm not more, uh, I like to paint somewhat realistic, but also I think I have, sometimes people tell me I have a style, but I don't know if I quite do. Um, I'll let other people figure that out. But like I applied to three bit, I was in the running this year uh, and I applied to national calls to artists where you fill out RFQs and uh, that's requests for qualifications. And it's an open call. Most of them are national. Well, some are locally and regionally, but I go after the national ones because it's just your resume, like your CV, portfolio, some letter of interest, which you always kind of fudge their letter of interest. It's like, you don't know anything about the place. You just want to get the job because right. it's like, you know, it's, it's a 10, 20, 30, 40K gig that you're like, yes. And I made the cuts three times this year for a project in Seattle, a project uh, in uh, Eastern North Carolina near like Alligator River for a, a, a wildlife ref, refuge. And then um, I also went after one in Little Rock. So I made the cut out of, it could be 10 artists, it could be 50 artists nationwide, whoever applied. And I made the cut three times. Didn't get a single damn one of them. Mm. But I always ask for like opinions or feedback and sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes what's stopping you is your style doesn't fit what the art committee of the small town wanted because they're used to seeing some you know more generic yeah. type design it's a boardroom full of people making a, a decision yeah. on, uh, based upon taste yeah and like there's 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 some of those here's one thing i have learned with like art committees and stuff and uh locally and, and, and abroad is um some people just do it to be, have a position to some sort of entitlement or whatever and, they, not, and not people want to pee on stuff they want to well, they, they want to put have their mark on something. that and like then they they don't even need to know shit about art but it's just like it's a it's 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 a line on the resume to say I, oh i'm also involved in the city with this and whatnot and then you have like art professors or people that but even art professors it's see the, the beauty and the 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 crap part is is art is subjective so i can think i put out something great and then three people that are used to a different style or era of art or grew up differently, you know, and, and what looks good and what doesn't goes, uh, you know, it's like, it's like passing over a, a resume as a headhunter where, you know, everyone this, this day and age puts CEO, founder and president, president of their, you know, company that, uh, knits sweaters for dogs at home or something, you know, that, yeah. that it's just like. I mean, that's a bad example, but, um, you can be passed over just based off of personal opinion. And if you get majority of those personal opinions, they go, thanks for playing. Here's your stipend. We're going to go with this. And more times than not, I have seen the final outcome be a more generic choice where I have seen that type of design somewhere else that was morphed with another design right? or... I got feedback at one point where it was 
play too safe. And my whole goal was to, okay, and this was in the Arkansas Little Rock thing, I go, I go, okay, I don't I don't really know shit about Arkansas, but um I played it safe. So I looked up like state symbols and all that kind of stuff, but I used my bold colors to balance it out to give it a little bit more of a an edge. And panache. Were, panache. Yeah. And there's some <laughs> but there's some trees blocking it, so I positioned things a certain way. And they came back and said, out of all the you three choices out of however many selections you placed third because we thought you played it too safe and the direction was we want something cool which i yeah. hate that phrase but um they didn't they didn't specify but didn't specify on purpose so i go let's just do something that everyone's going to cater to and that was my downfall right instead of doing some like well, whack, wackadoo shit where it's like yeah let's just do some weird stuff that looks cool that nobody's going to understand because a lot of times when I paint stuff, they, you know, somebody goes, what the hell does that mean? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, this is what works. And, and and the bitch of it is, is you probably didn't get the Seattle job because you didn't play it safe enough, you know, or something like that. It's like, yeah, you, there's, you never know. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's a crapshoot. but the thing is, is like, it's just that drive. It, it, it comes down to how bad you want it. And I know I'm saying a bunch of cleasy sports, uh, uh, cheesy sports cliches, uh, throughout this, but you just got to keep going. And, um, I have enjoyed getting the challenge of either getting those RFQs, which then become RFPs for yeah, proposals, proposals, which means you now you got to produce something. But the fact that I'm making the cut nationally. Good news. Is good news. Yeah. That, that's giving me, okay, I am, I'm capable. I just, it's just, it's just in grasp right there. I just haven't been able to just, you know, pluck, pluck it out of the sky. But I'm like, I, I'm, I'm capable. I'm in the running. Um, I'm going to keep going and, you know, try and learn from each experience and analyze it, ask for feedback, um, and and just just keep pressing. So, and I, you know, I know plenty of people here that have done that in their businesses. And it's just that kind of happy-go-lucky but determined and uh, gritty attitude that I've seen people um, – you know, get out. It makes I, I'm, Charles Ellis is coming to mind. Yeah, with with how hard that guy's working for Yeehaw and getting in, you know, in, in in the North Central area, and you know, I'm sure a lot of adversity with that building and conversion and all that. But sure. I mean, he's a guy I would see out that uh, always positive, always nice and happy. What a guy! Like, like yeah, you've, you've had a lot of people on here that behind closed doors are like. You know, probably like, oh shit, this isn't happening. This isn't working. But they get, they, they get, they get right back on the bike and they keep going. And that's why those people are going to be successful. And that's why you, I listen to your podcast is because you get those folks on here that, that, that don't take no for an answer and they figure a way out, whether it's, you know, um, selling a product or a, a bands or, you know, whatever in your industry, like it's cool to see that. And a lot of those people are, I think are self-made or have aligned themselves with other self-made people that have a talent and ability and they want to push it and see how far they can go. And I respect that about a lot of people. So I've got, uh, I've got some more heaters for you. Some more good questions, but I want to sure. take a bathroom break. Is that okay? Yeah, I need to go too. Let's do it. Okay. Ooh. Oh, stings the nostrils. Smooth Ambler. That break was brought to you by Smooth Ambler. 
Yeah. Is that what Bourbon. it is? Yeah. Check it out. Okay. The, uh, one okay. of the questions, talking about threads, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was about uh, generative AI and yeah, and how crazy that world is right now. Yeah. So I think, uh, and for and, people who don't understand it, can you explain it a little bit? Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't even deep dive into it. I, uh, um, I signed up for one of those uh, websites and then it became Mid Journey is one of them. Um, That's on Discord. And then there's a uh, Dolly. I signed up for Dolly. Yeah. And uh, when you had to like get permission to use it and then, then it just, and then like the next, the next week it, it's open to everyone. Now yeah. what, I think what they do is you get a certain amount of like prompts you can type in. Right. And then uh, you have to like pay credits or something after a while. Sure. Like it's, but yeah. what, it, but what it does ultimately on a nuts and bolts level. So from what I understand, I don't know how it works code wise, but you type in dog and any meta tag data or image of a dog is, is fair, fair game. game to be morphed into whatever. And I've seen right. a lot of the stuff I've seen has been very cryptic and dark. Cause right. it's like, so you type in these, 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 uh, Tags. Text text yeah. prompts. Yes, and and you'll say uh, Vladimir Putin eating ice cream mm. on the Facebook logo. Yeah, with a clown face. Yes, uh, with wings or some bullshit like that. Exactly, and and it will spit out. Yeah, art images. Creepy as shit of Vladimir Putin <laughs> with or, clown or wings. a rendition of it. It may not be too because what you're thinking is and same thing with like talking to a client. You got. Say you have that idea, as far-fetched as that is, your idea is going to be different in your head than mine. It may not come out the way you want it, but I've seen people go in post-production in Photoshop and they tweak it accordingly, mm. and that's what happened with that art competition about a month ago. Okay, we should talk about that yeah. for sure, because somebody won an, uh, uh, an art they, competition they, using they, generative They AI-generated the prompt, and then they went in and they cleaned it up, and they, they tweaked it, and the judges allowed it to be valid because they went in and did post-production to it. So they knew that it was knew AI it was generated and they still let the person win or give them the award or money or whatever. And say, if you were some 20 plus year designer illustrator and came out with this cool thing and you're like, I think I got a good shot. I'm going to make, you know, top three or five out of however many tens of thousands of entries. It was a huge, it was then, a huge And then some guy types in a bunch of garble, in an AI generator and then goes, I'll just make the shadows a little bit darker and add some luminescence and boom, I just won 20 K off some horse shit. Like I don't know where it's going, but it's scary as shit. I have not investigated it enough or tried it, but I think I'm going to, and a lot of artists uh, in the industry are messing with it, especially digital artists that are already like bonkers in their field but it's opening up new avenues. A lot of people, which I think is cool, is are taking their original artwork that they've created and then adding different text prompts to it. So it's editing their own original artwork, which to me, that's that's cool. A little more legit. But if you're, you know, if you go, go to a client meeting and they're like, we like dogs and airplanes and sunsets. And then you go to an AI generator and you give them a mock-up of that. Well, that's, kind of bullshit you didn't really create it and if it sells then it sells but to me you can see if you especially like with the anatomy ones and the, and the facial recognition ones um you can see kind of it's almost like this like kind of faded 
trippy dream pastel movement right. of the color that you can tell it's AI generated. Um, and maybe somebody's not looking for that style. It might look good on a post or something, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, you're talking to a guy that doesn't understand cryptocurrency and like all the other like new age things that are like probably going to become trends that I just, you know, haven't taken the time to figure out cause I'm too busy putting spray cans and rollers on walls. Um, but, uh, I, I do want to mess with it and I feel like the more you investigate the matter and maybe deep dive in, I think artists will appreciate that it's just going to be used as another medium in their arsenal. Sure. And, and I think that it, it already is that because there's people that are hacking it by mm-hmm. their text prompts and they're, yep. and they're refining, they're doing, you know, a hundred or you know, 500 of these a day and they're doing AB tests on what comes out of it if they use these certain words in this certain order. And so it is kind of becoming its own medium because I could go in there tomorrow and I've done it. I've done, I've made, I've made probably over a hundred generative AI pieces of art. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, I have to check it out. It's not that good, but the the stuff that I've point though, it's like, it's an experiment. It is. But the stuff that I make and the stuff that people who have been on this train since the very beginning are making is like night and day. Oh, really? These people have figured it out. So there's a way to describe things specifically to get the outcome that you're looking for. Exactly. I wonder if they're like, it's not just speech patterns, but it's like maybe typing in like certain algorithms or, or code speak for the AI generator that understands like uh, maybe like JavaScript terms or, you know, C plus plus type stuff where maybe it makes it a little bit different than yeah. saying, well, I, th- yeah. I think what it is is you're, is you're figuring out when, when you get good at, at doing this, you're, you're figuring out, a way to get your desired outcome. Yeah. And that's like, if you gave me a bunch of spray cans and told me to go spray paint a wall, it'd look like shit. Yeah. You know, but, it, but I would not be able to get my desired outcome because my skills are not there. But yeah. if I hone those skills, you know, with a spray can or would, with a pen or I whatever I would like to do some AI experimentation and then paint it as a mural. That's, that's what, that's why I ask if it's a threat uh, because, mm. because, it would be on the front end. Like at nobody, nobody can take away your hand, right? Nobody yeah. can take away your, the your... only threat is the machine actually painting the mural. Um, and there are drones out there that you see like clean windows or, or, or base coat walls. There are, there are also uh, printers that are like the size of, I don't know, like 10 by six feet or whatever that can go line by line and print a mural on the wall. That looks like almost like a vinyl print. Like there's, there's there's wall printers that exist um to a massive scale it would change the content and the style of the uh of the mural but um uh i still think you need need your hands and and you know be on a scaffolding or a, a lift to 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 make it look cool but but so what is it that you, that your hand brings to the game that a, a machine can't do is it shading is it nuance hu- human like- interpretation and human error Okay. There's there's something great about how flawed we are as as organisms to try and accomplish the things that we want to get uh um I guess validation for if you will. Um you know, you can and you'll notice this if you if somebody shows you like a mock up and then they paint it 
it's a little bit different and it can be a little bit better. The tones could be a little bit, you know, more vibrant, um, or muted depending on your style. And, uh, you see the, you see the translation from somebody's mind and the output is physical. It's, it's the application of kind of mind, body, and soul from concept design to physical application. And that's just, that's just being human. And that's, what's really cool about it. Um, AI, you can crank out a bunch like a machine does, you know, um, and just keep tweaking and tweaking. And then, but you still got to make it kind of look like the thing. If you're going to make a mural out of it. Now I can see a lot of people selling a lot of prints and just be in the print game and doing AI shit. But I feel like, I feel like it's since the market's going to keep getting flooded, you're going to realize, oh, that's an AI thing. It looks like AI. It looks like a lot of other things. And the ones that rise to the top are going to be the top dogs and everyone else is going to get lost in the shuffle, um, just like a lot of other art movements. Um, well, I've got an issue like with some lenses that I use. They're yeah. too perfect. They're too clinically perfect. Right. It looks too sharp. It looks too good. And I'm having to put things in front of those lenses. Yeah, no, noisy it up a little bit. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and soften things and make it not look so clinical and make it not look so perfect because it looks too perfect. And people aren't used to seeing too well, perfect. I, Our eyeballs don't I, work that I way. I noticed that when uh, <clears throat> HDTVs came out uh, however long ago, I guess I was in college still, but I remember... Uh, my folks had gotten a uh, whatever HD TV when it was like 1080p or whatever. Yeah, 720p were the first was yeah. technically high and definition. I, I remember because <clears throat> there's always that fuzziness. Like nobody ever watched The Price Is Right in in HD. It was always kind of fuzzy. Yeah. But um, but I remember uh, some of my folks. This is guys had to be a decade ago at least. And I remember slipping through channels, and we just had gotten a new HD TV. And like the sports games were awesome because you could see everything. Yeah. But I remember flipping through and it was like a soap, soap was on. Yeah. You know, like a young and restless or whatever crap. And it was so crisp and clear that you could actually see how old the actors were. Yeah. They'd been on there for a while and they have a yeah. shit ton of makeup. But also you could see the reflection of the type of uh, uh, key lighting or spotlights off of their makeup or forehead. Right. You could actually see the studio light reflections, like the the individual bulbs off of their foreheads or skin. And you're like, I feel like I'm just on the set watching some fake thing. Yeah. And like, but the noisy, the graininess, the fuzziness gave it that separation of this is a real situation in, sure. a, in another place. Yeah. But, but when you can see the detail, you're like, I feel like I'm a key grip just hanging out watching this thing go on or something. So the I think what you're talking about maybe the uh refresh rate thing, the 120 hertz refresh rate stuff that they did yeah, when they when I, they came out with You're probably right. When they came out with TVs and you would go to Best Buy and they would have it split down the middle and this is what a normal TV looks like and this yeah. is what 120 hertz refresh rate looks like. And and they would have the bottom line going across and it yeah. would show like the it would show a ticker across the bottom. Yeah. And it would go across both halves of the screen and you would see a clear quality difference when it passed the the 120 hertz refresh rate into normal refresh rate which i think is 60 and 
it's about motion blur and it's yes. and that and that's how your eye sees stuff you don't you're not capturing your brain well, you and your eyeballs like 60 frames per second i think right well Visibly, they they or... say that they chose 24 frames per second with movies because it and this was in the early 1900s with right. like edison and the lumiere brothers okay they 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 chose 24 frames per second when they were doing all of these scientific you know the, these experiments because it Plus cost of footage too What's that? Cost of footage, like length of footage. Sure. Yeah. But they chose 24 frames per second because it most replicated the <clears throat> eyeballs motion blur when you yeah. have something moving in front of your face. Like when my hand is moving in front of my face, it doesn't look crisp and clear. No. Like I'm seeing blur on my hand right now when I'm doing it. And then that's what happened with those TVs when they came out with that super high refresh rate is that everything was so crisp and so clear that it's it did weird. not – It did not. It did not imitate or replicate what your eyeball the was human at, eye. the yeah. human eye, and so it was <clears> off. <throat> it was yeah. it, it was it was pulling people out of it's weird. Yeah, and it was it was it was breaking that suspension of disbelief, and that's what filmmaking is: is you want to be completely pulled out of yourself, yeah. and believe that what you're seeing is reality, and when it's too real doesn't work you, and they and you, they reeled it back they you, took that whole technology well, see, and trashed yeah it. you're seeing a lot of uh, movie studios like crisp clear imax image and, and then you go that looks fake as shit like you can see like the it looks like a video game and like i haven't seen the like the avatar movies but i'm assuming like you watch that and you go that is way too overdone and i know there's certain movies that have been criticized as saying it was. I mean, most everything is. The Hobbit was the first one that really got got in trouble. Did for, that get criticized? Yeah, because it was it was forty frames per second and played back at forty frames oh, per second. I think I saw a thing on YouTube about the fight scene on the river. Yeah, those look like total shit. Yeah, because it doesn't look. It looks like a video game. It doesn't yeah, it look real like, <laughs> because there's not that motion it looks, blur. It looks like a really cool PS5 video trailer or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it was this huge thing that Peter Jackson was taking a huge chance by doing, and when he did it, it was like, wait. This is fantasy, so I guess it works. But this isn't. This doesn't look like the other three Lord like, of the Rings or anything like else I've human, ever seen. The 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 non-human form that you try to make look human or Hobbit or whatever doesn't look like that because you did such a good job of clarity that it's not selling it to the human eye. You made it too good, so it's like counterproductive. You made it too crazy? technically good. Yeah, and Jeez. that's what I'm wondering. Like, is that is that going to be the savior for this AI art stuff? Uh, or machines Man. taking over your job is that uh, what you said, like the, you know, the, the fallibility of human beings being the thing that we are okay with and that we love. And if you think, take that away, then we don't buy it anymore. I think there's a level of convenience that uh, machines give us that we're willing to sacrifice uh, somebody's job or livelihood. I don't know if public art murals are there yet. Um, I don't, I don't think it'll ever happen. I think the, the application of, of what I do and others do um, will not die to any kind of robot uh, because it's not a menial task. Now, it's like, you, you know, you go to the grocery store and there's 20 lanes that are closed, maybe two are open, and then you got to go through the self-checkout like robots are taking your thing. Pat Oswald did a great bit on this. I think Bill Burr did one too. Um, but like, that's something that doesn't take a lot of skill education, whatever. I mean, yes, those people are needed, but like the, 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 the machines, the, the companies have made those things to where those people are expendable now. Um, it's not that technical. Now you got the guy helper when, you know, 
please see cashier for your coupon or whatever. But it's like just like one person and then like two kids and two lines. If you have a bunch of groceries and you can't do the 15 items or less, like the menial tasks are going to get phased out. I think artists are determined and, and conniving enough that they're always going to figure out a way to upend anything that is uh, uh, machine based uh, shortcuts. Shortcuts. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I agree, and I've never... So, so I physically paint, right? I'm up on a lift, I'm out in the elements, and I'm doing my thing. I would be scared more... If you had a graphic designer on, I'd be more scared for that person. What do you mean? Because they're already working digitally. Their medium is what those machines and algorithms are already doing. Compared to what? If you had a graphic designer, what? Making the actual art that What I'm making? saying is, is they're working internally on a machine already. Their output is through a machine... And presented through a machine. And that's their job. I'm doing something physical. There's an application. It's like, you know, like I will always respect somebody that works with their hands. Whether it's welders, you know, construction workers, glass blowers, whatever. Um, there's, There's that human element, that human touch, for lack of a better word. Um, that I think will always exist. Um, and the machines can be advanced to a certain degree to maybe take some of the market, but I don't think, uh, I don't think they'll ever take it entirely. There's, when you look at the AI stuff, you go, that's a cool technique or that's a cool style or whatever. But I do see an emptiness to it. I see, I see a, I see some sort of a combination of, code words strewn about put together into this image that no human would probably ever think of or conjure up but to me it seems foreign and it doesn't have that human connection or soul to it even though it looks cool um you can kind of tell that it's like the uh, uncanny valley yeah with with you know like you said earlier where it's too good yep or something just doesn't look right about it. Yep. But we're slowly closing that gap too, which is scary as shit with AI and all that kind of other yeah, stuff. Self-awareness. So, yeah. <laughs> of but, AI. Um, I don't, man, it's, those are muddy waters for me. I haven't gone into it. I, well, it seems like you're somewhat protected. Like <sighs> as much I, I as I could any, be, I could not be, but if I do, I'm going to adapt and find a way. Well, but I'm, I'm seeing like with, with our industry, I'm, I'm seeing AI kind of take, be able to take a little bit away from really the, the artisan or the person that's, that's creating it. Yeah. How I mean, so? there's like, you got a decent example that, yeah. Uh, uh, music for instance, if yeah. you're putting music to an edit or putting pictures to music, yeah. um, I can load a bunch of 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 video clips into a piece of ai and put tell it which song i want it to cut to it'll sync to the baseline and it'll, or and it'll or, sync to it yeah. and it'll do and it'll do cool stuff it'll find the the best parts of the clip and it'll oh, that's sh- happening that's happening all the time and, and there's I mean, companies in new york instagram silicon valley that. yes uh, the, i get examples that it says do you want to make this as a reel and it's like a time i went hiking or fishing or went on a road trip and I just maybe had some videos and it puts together like uh, two days worth of clips. And Your it, Apple iPhone does it. Your iPhone yeah. puts together these amazing videos from yeah. that, from geotag stuff from your trip to Max Patch. Yeah, it can it can make your it can make your uh, you know daily routine experience or weekend trip into something 
that looks cool and synced and it's all nice that no one gives a shit about because there's so much media out there and it's like it looks good for you but is it profitable or marketable i don't know but yeah like our phones are already doing that and they're listening to us right now and i'm sure some ads will pop up from things we talked about already so (laughs) um but that's just kind of the way it is um yeah i still can't answer the whole like is is it a threat or not well from talking talking through it with you it seems like it's less of a threat than i thought it was before i asked you the question well in all honesty it might be a threat and i just don't know about it yet (laughs) and i'll cross that bridge when it gets there Till then, I'm going to try and paint some cool shit in the real world for people that want to hire me for my services. Yeah. And so, then you'll adapt when the time comes. I'll da- I, I might, you know what? It, you know what would be cool is to do, go through Dolly or uh, Mid Journey or whatever and type in the prompts and, and, and title. And if any artist can feel free to do this, and if they've probably not already done this, they should, is have a gallery show, Right. The title of your gallery show is your prompts and quotes. Yep. Word plus word plus word. And then you tweak it. This is actually a pretty good idea, I think. Um, and then each painting that's a little bit different, the title is that extra word that you prompted. Yep. And you repaint whatever the AI shit reference is that you got. And then you do that and you go AI meets human, bleh, biometric, whatever crap. Yep. You know, and then people were like oh cool and you know it's a new art trend or whatever and uh um i didn't even, i just now thought of that that's kind of a cool idea to be honest with it's, you it, it is a cool idea and i'm sure that somebody is doing it somebody's right now. doing it and is bilking a lot of people out of a lot of money yeah doing it and but are they like it might it might just be a know, new man. medium i have a list of like on my desktop uh on my phone on my notes uh chicken scratch pieces of paper on my bulletin board i have just ideas all over the place whether it's like i catch a good buzz and i get a wacky idea or i wake up from a deep sleep or in the morning or somebody says something and it tweaks my mind a certain way i write all that shit down so um that's the stuff i kind of want to pursue more as well moving forward so to to get back into like the practical Curtis Glover world, you said twenty twenty July was the last time you were here. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the uh, bicycle mural in the old city was a doodle graph at that point and hadn't been completed yet. And that thing's been completed for a while now. It's been a while, bud. So you've been you've you've done a lot of work since then uh off the top of my head the uh rooftop the hotel yeah mbc uh, suites yeah, Radius lounge that was badass man that turned out great um yeah it did. i enjoyed doing that and uh that wall faces north and so you can and see it's kind of shaded anyway right? it's kind of shaded anyways and if you look down you can see the visit knoxville mural i worked with bobby cruz on so that was kind of cool but also uh i have probably 30 40 pictures of these gorgeous sunsets overlooking just hues of pink, orange, purple, um, red. I got to see the most beautiful sunsets on top of the rooftop while people are watching me paint, getting, you know, shit faced at the bar and stuff like that. Cause I was on the, the mural wall was on the lower level. It was like the private floor. I think it's the 13th floor. So obviously superstition, you nobody yeah. lives there or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's where I came out onto that retaining wall and the, gosh that's the sun setting i mean it's just it was so cool to do and then 
all the wildflowers and then the reflections in the glass and the scotch glass. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed doing that one. And then, uh, it's gotta be, uh, 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 one of the most, one of the murals you're most proud of. That's probably been one of my favorite ones. Um, obviously I was known for the, the koi fish wall. The uh, koi fish wall at Jerry's Artorama still holds up, dude. It's, it's, it's cracking, but, um, uh, I feel like, I don't know. Maybe redo it at some Art, point. Artistically, it still holds up. It oh, still it, looks great. Absolutely. Yeah. From a distance, yes. Up close, it, it can probably use Mona, Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's 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 some some wear and tear. But um But in the last two years, what what else besides that? I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm so there's a lot of the old city of. thing, which was like pandemic. Um I'm contracted through UT for the next eight years for this decade long marketing uh uh project to do the everywhere you look UT stuff. Yeah. I've seen that it's all like, over the state. It's like the Sea Rock City thing. Yeah. Uh, me and two other artists are uh, uh, ones in Illinois who had started before me, who's like kind of the main guy. And then there's this other dude in Nashville that I don't know if he's even done one yet. But um, uh, we bid out on him, and the goal is to get uh, and everywhere you look, UT um, uh, mural. I call it it's sign it's signage to me. It's not yeah. artwork; it's signage. Uh, but I just finished one in Polk County. Um, there's one if you go through Crossville on the way to Nashville where that barn is. Yep. Did that one over there. Um, there's one in Oak Ridge. Did you do the one in Humboldt, Tennessee? Uh, I think that was the other guy. It's Robertson I, County. I was I was there uh, uh, no. a couple weeks ago, uh, and I was with a client of mine from the from the state of Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, he worked for uh, for Bill Lee, and uh, it, I, we were walking by with our contact from the county and it just kind of popped out of nowhere it was a large mural they have murals all over the the city of so, Humboldt Tennessee yeah and uh I walked by we walked by and uh it was like everywhere you look UT and we yeah. looked up we're like oh has Randy Boyd been here <laughs> yeah like yeah he has like did you guys get a dog park yeah, too they're like yeah, yeah we did <laughs> Randy's come out to a few of them the one I did in Fentress County for the oldest uh winery um shout out to Saul Breyer wearing the shirt right now yeah. um they do wine and they also have a brewery. Um, Randy came out for that ribbon cutting and whatnot. But the goal is um, it's a decade-long campaign, and they get one of those signs in every county. And I think there's like 95, something like There's 95 counties in Tennessee. I, okay, you know that better than I do. Yeah. Um, I should probably know that for PR purposes. Now you but, do. Um, knowing is half the battle. G.I. <laughs> Joe. Um, I've done about f- six, maybe. The other guy's probably done like 10 and then the other person hasn't really done any. So There's I think 70 something counties out well, there. Actually, and that guy's might he's might have done like 20 or something. Uh, this guy was in on early. I applied to this with a, a business partner manager uh, later uh, when they opened the bid for it. And uh, it's just it's good filler work. It's good to be associated. Um, I haven't got any tickets for football games yet out of it but i don't think I it might kind of, be a while i don't <laughs> yeah no kidding Those things are gold right now yeah yeah i don't have that kind of <laughs> leverage but uh been doing that um done some work in pigeon forge in wares valley and cabins uh the mountain dew thing that we talked about um what about that uh like dia de la muerte uh Deal that I saw of yours. Uh, the local borough restaurants uh, for Kennedy Concepts. That's in one's in Gatlinburg, which was the first one we did, and then the second one was in the new rooftop patio at Westtown Mall. Uh, dude, I, I hate to say it, and I don't know how you feel about this re- this restaurant group, and I don't know anything about this restaurant group. 
The Loka Borough at Westtown Mall is the coolest rooftop I think I've ever been on. It's, it's, it's popping, man. It is I, so I, cool. I, I can kind of see it from a distance off I-40. Um, no, they they uh, they decorated very well. They got in this like custom Italian tile or whatever. Um, it, it the thing the, about yours at uh, at the Loka Borough Westtown Mall that I that I recognize well, is fl- that I went all in on the flowers. So. It looks great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it also like it's and, and I'm sure that they paid this designer millions of dollars to do this place. But like your your piece did not suffer because of like uh the rest of the embellishments that they did around the restaurant. It almost feels like it fits in, even though yeah. there's, you know, a ten thousand dollar chandelier hanging down next yeah, to it. Yeah. I had some beef with that with the design studio and Really? And uh that was that kind of pissed me off. I actually had to shift the girl to get in between the chandeliers mm. and I don't care if they know that uh, yeah. during this or not. I don't, I don't care. But um, yeah, the design integrity was a little bit of a, uh, a moving target. <laughs> yeah. And luckily I had not put it up yet cause I was focusing on the, on the floral stuff. And I, what I did was um, the original background was not the, I took the original tile pattern. Like I took my phone and I took photos of the tiles and there was like eight different types of designs and I ended up cutting out, I made stencils. I made big printouts, and I cut hand cut stencils out of poster board, and that's how I got all those tiles. So the background of the the the, the dark blue yeah design mimics the floor. Nice, and that's just something I I did as a uh, uh, audible when I started it. I was like, that's gonna look cool. So I did that, but I had to shift the girl over, which whatever. I wanted to make her a little bit brighter, but they wanted that more kind of like mocha skin. I had used a uh, a model reference from Texas that I had talked to. Um, and uh and did that so but like all the de- all the decor the rooftop stuff with the open flame and all that like they went all in so hopefully they get their investment back and dude they, it had to be a five million dollar build out i have no clue but dude, they they tagged me in a thing today they were promoting some tequila and they were nice enough to credit my uh you know name and the mural background for the whatever tequila they're pushing so the mamacita margarita there is also very delicious i will say oh yeah i've had i've heard some people tell me it's it's really good i've just i've been so busy just doing stuff i haven't even really gone out well i i i did go eat at a place that i just finished over at um diamond jack and maryville what is that uh it's like a it's like a fine cuisine southern style type thing where like i remember i got like a steak tartare with some, some like uh like spicy jalapeno chips to dip it in or something, you know, like, uh, it's like some Miss Vicky's or whatever. Um, uh, they had like a hanger steak and then they had, uh, it was like, it was just like a mix of, uh, different things and, uh, got to go to their soft opening, but I did this, uh, kind of weird kitschy thing that resembled all their old wallpaper. Uh, there was some symbolism from their, uh, family events and it was all muted pinks and greens, which I'd never worked muted. So it was a really different, a lot of monochromatic greens and, and pinks that matched the huh. wallpaper. I worked with a design studio on that. Typically, a lot of times, um, when you can tell there's like a decent amount of direction in the work I do, it's a design firm that has been hired that has reached out to me based off of my portfolio. Hmm. And a lot of t- like, eh, not all the time, but for restaurants, so to speak, uh, for example, Typically, they'll have a design interior decorator, and I've just connected with a lot of those people from my previous background or people that have gone off on their own and said, I'm going to keep this guy in mind. 
So I'll get hired by the design firm and not so much of the business owner. Mm. Um, cause t- a lot of times the business owner doesn't own the building. I get, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's levels to that of, of, of leads and hires, but, um, and who do I work for here? <laughs> who am I working for? You know, who's, who's funding this, you know, who, who am I answering to during the mock-up process? Um, what liberties do I have or not have? I bet it's nicer to interface with a design firm than it is with a restaurateur. Well, because that, like that chef or manager or whatever, bartender, bar manager, they know what they know and they're good at what they do. Um, it is cool to work with designers um, that especially side with the creative. And yeah, they, they're going to they, go to bat for you. They're going to go to bat for you, but not always. Sometimes they just they really want to they really want to satisfy that account so much because they're going to get more of them. So then you're kind of an afterthought. It's like just make it look good, but it's more times than not, the designers like, "Ooh, I like where your head's at. Let's try that. I'll pitch it to him or her, and we will figure this out." but let's go for that. And if I can't get it, let's figure out another way. And then sometimes it goes, they want A, B, and C. Can you do it? What cost? Go, you know, whatever, yeah. and then get it done and move on. So it's, it depends. Like I said, it depends on the, uh, the, the personality and how much they kind of have passion in their career. And you're going to run across all facets. Yeah. The whole continuum of, of, of passion. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a gauntlet of just, you know, some are dead ends and some are shortcuts and some are just staying the course. And, uh, and you just, you just feel that out by staying true to your craft and talking to, you know, the people that are going to invest in your business. So, um, and that, like, like I said, that's just one aspect of all the things that I get to, uh, figure out and I, I don't always have the answers and I screw up plenty of times but I get to learn something about myself and I get to learn something about how that person conducts their business which in turns I can take notes and go I can take little snippets and build up my 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 process or my my routine or or you know protocols so um when was the uh the last time you painted a, a set of angel wings uh, I did that for Carson Newman, I think, uh, earlier this year, and I'll never do it again. <laughs> I didn't post that one, but uh, and the guy was very nice. It's hanging up on campus in the quad, and it, they're the Eagles, so it makes sense. And yeah. I, I did the school colors of the blue and orange and geometric, and I pulled it off nicely. It looked really good, but um, no, I spoke to a client in Gatlinburg not too long ago that is opening up some mural maze thing or whatever, or trying to, and they're from California where like the umbrellas are hanging in the, uh, you know, in the air. And it's like, you know, that whole like kitschy Instagrammy type stuff, which is fine because I post all that crap on there anyways. But, uh, I said, uh, he was like, we want you to do something fun and crazy. I go, well, no wings. And he goes, Oh, well, I think we're going to like build a sculpture of those. I go, okay, I'm not the guy. Good. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I think I was at a, uh, I was at a place in Gatlinburg, uh, passing through an ice cream shop and, uh, they had, painted i think it was a set of wings on the wall and uh it said like right in the middle of the top of the wings it said take selfies here and yeah. it had an arrow and i'm like yeah. hey man that's in the shot <laughs> like that's yeah well see i did now okay i did my version of that in uh at crave golf club or whatever in pigeon forge where they sell candy and all that kind of stuff so i made these cool candy wings and it was made out of that but it wasn't actual wings um pulled it off nicely and I get tagged in a few times, uh, whatever. Uh, 
I just wanted to get my foot in the door over there because I feel like there's a lot of work to be done in Pigeon Forge and all that in Gatlinburg. But, um, you know, I just put my name and they're like, we got to think of a really good hashtag. I'm like, yeah, I'll make one up. Like, you know, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I don't want to be known for this. Like, yeah. Kelsey Montague in Nashville has made a living in a freaking fortune by starting those wings in the Gulch and has done them internationally. It's all line work. They were in they were in Maryville when I was painting at Diamond Jack. I've seen them in Chattanooga when I've been painting. I see those shits everywhere. Yeah, and good for her. That's awesome. But fuck that trend. <laughs> so it's it's so clickbaity. So well, it's, yeah. It, but so it, it, it's it's asking. And for here's and here's where I see the flip side. Woo girls to come take a photo. In front yeah, of yeah. And here's where I see the flip side is it's good for marketing. And if you're a marketing director, coordinator, and you go, we need to get more people more eyes and clicks on our whatever whatever product you're selling, clothes, candy, shoes, whatever, like that does draw people in because that still is a current trend that's happening. Just like you can paint a bunch of hearts and balloons and shit like that. Like it works and I get it, but it's more uh it's more of uh it's more of a marketing thing than like pure art. Right. It's um, an interactive deal that's just trying to get them yeah. a little more marketing uh eyeballs. I'm, I watched I watched this uh, documentary uh, by Nichos, who's an Aust- Austrian graffiti artist. He does these uh, dissection crosscut sections, and he he has this quote about uh, he's like, if I see more hearts on a wall in different colors, he was like, it, he goes, it's dead art for dead people, <laughs> and I was like, I like that. And I didn't grow up doing graffiti or legal shit, but like, I kind of side with the passion of the vandalism of, of what these I follow I a lot of you. I follow primarily graffiti on Instagram and other uh, platforms because I love the freedom the feeling that those guys and gals are and getting and like the double middle fingers that, that yeah that, that to, that like, world. to like screw society like nobody's paying me to do this but I get to express myself yeah. I try and like inject that into paid commercial work so that's that's where sometimes like I have to walk on projects because it's so uh lifeless. It's so lifeless and commercial yeah. that I'm like get some other hack to do it. Mm-hmm. And I've done I've done hack, hack work. I know I have. You can go through the life of my feet and go, "That's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That's horseshit." Like I get it. But that's but, what it takes to keep the doors open. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um but, I, I hope this makes you feel better. Uh, I was in Chattanooga for uh, a job a couple of weeks ago, and they have a wing mural in in uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, where's it at? I uh, forget. I don't know my way around Chattanooga that well. Is it on the north side? I don't know. I don't know. But it, uh, They're it, dumb. It had a dumpster uh, that was parked in front of it. So you literally, it was like it was taking up the parking spot in front of the dumpster, or yeah. in, in front of the mural. And I don't think that there were that they were doing any construction anywhere nearby. Yeah. I think that they just put that dumpster there so people would stop taking selfies in front of those wings. I guess, yeah. But it's like, uh, you know, people take it like they make smaller ones for your dog or child or whatever. Like it's it's a cool memory, and for people that don't follow art, street art, murals, or whatever you want to call them, like it's what they know. It's a thing to do, and it also gets you to the destination to then go buy a product it's all consumer driven is what it is and that's what i don't particularly like about it um but it's very catchy i'll give the people that do it that credit but uh i've i've done a couple 
and it's made me feel very empty. Mm. And I, I've, I, but I, when I, like I said, like some of them I've done, if you've seen them, I've done them well. And I, that's where I take that. Well, it is what it is. Might as well do it right and not cop out. The, the one, that, you know, the concept's a cop out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was done for a reason. It was done for a reason. Which I've, was not, I've, I've made ones for cars where there's a piston in the center with exhaust pipes and all that shit over at Reader Chevrolet. Yeah. People park their cars in front of it before it they, turns, after it, they buy them. It turns out cool. Yeah. Because they, uh, that's a great mural. Because by the way. they, 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 they sell a car, uh, or like top sales, you know, uh, employee or whatever and they use the same marketing t- tool to where people can go look i just bought my look at my corvette in front of this badass mm. wall the concept is old and dead and stale but it still works for marketing and uh to a degree there is a there is marketing involved in art but you want to do it for the purity and uh, sanity of your soul. I think a good example of that, and you may feel differently. You may, you may have, you may school me here. Uh, but the one that I feel like in Knoxville that most fits that mold of being like a tourist attraction is the Dolly mural at the corner of Strong Alley. Yeah, that Megan fixed. And yes, it got it, it was done by a guy from San Antonio that just came in and painted the the the, the black uh, like uh, shirt, whatever frilly feathery top with dolly where she was pasty and he didn't have enough like colors to shade it i guess got vandalized looked like you know a kiss band member with the black lipstick and then megan came in and fixed it and then that vaulted her and then she's also does the downtown knoxville seasonal wall Hmm. um she's done a bunch of great work in oak ridge and she travels and stuff and we've worked together like that vaulted her big time and it's dolly and i've done dolly in like a cabin I've had Dolly requests. There's other artists in town that paint Dolly all the time. That's mm-hmm. what they're known for. But it's done. It's it's overdone. Yep. And, and she did it. That's that's it, the best one, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, publicly now there's a uh, there's a guy that that can rival that. Um, there's a couple guys actually. Uh, Gus Cuddy in Asheville did a Dolly rendition where she's got these big poofy blonde curls and then. And then since, you know, Asheville's very progressive and openly, like, super liberal, they, they put RuPaul next to Dolly oh, in nice. a mural that you can pose in front of. And then uh, Moby in Nashville, who's done some massive Titan uh, murals. Those are badass. He's done those. Um, and he's working on the airport right now that I bid for, that Megan bid for. Uh, he's a local guy in Nashville. He did a really good Dolly mural at like an Airbnb, like all airbrushed. Mm. Um, and you got people here that do it as well. And like, depending on who the artist is, you can knock it out of the park. And all those people I just mentioned knocked it out of the park. But at the end of the day, it's like it's the brand is Dolly. Uh, you had nothing to do with it. And you're kind of piggybacking off of it. Right. And I've painted Dolly before in a private residence and I made it look the best I could. Mm-hmm. Um I like to see the evolution of of more personalized art and and concentrations that artists follow. So we can all paint Dolly. We can all do wings. We can all paint Power Tees. We can all paint Smokey. We can all paint Peyton Manning. Uh, all the generic top 10, 20 things Knoxville's known about, you know. Known for. Known for, yeah. 
we can do. I actually did it as a gimmick and one of them sold at the squares at the maker's exchange, the little wood squares. I was like, ah, maybe just make some extra cash. And I, and I did a, I did a, a, a print transfer of the sun sphere and the Tennessee theater sign. And somebody bought one of them. Nice. And got a small little payment for it, whatever. But like, you know, uh, that type of content that is like the first thing you think of when you don't really do a deep dive on what you want, whether it's Sun Sphere or Dolly or whatever, like I, I tend to shy away from because I do get, I think, enough leads to where if I can just find, I would rather do one project that somebody has some crazy nutso idea that I got to figure out, but I know it doesn't exist yet and do it for like half as much than somebody saying, I want, dolly with a sun sphere whatever you know for twice as much mm. because it's like that, that then you just become repetition then you become your own ai you know regurgitation <laughs> of artwork you know what i'm saying and i'm sure there's going to be people on here that do paint those things for a living here in knoxville they're going to be like well fuck curtis and that's fine but like i would challenge those folks to uh express themselves further in a more individualistic stylistic way that I feel like they're uh, capable of doing. Um, just like in, like in your field with, you know, whether it's commercials or music, I know there's like, you got to follow guidelines, but like, you know, you see enough movies that are the same. Like, why do you think Hollywood's running out of ideas and regurgitating shit? It's just recyclable. And then it turns you off. Well, it, it's, it's, it's risk-free Risk, stuff risk-free revenue yeah i mean if, yeah. And, and that makes sense if you're a you know if if think about it if you're a, a wall street investor what are you going to invest in something that you know is going to return your money yeah and something that you know is going to be popular and that's why you see you know safe bets in hollywood with the movies that get greenlit that's why you yeah. see uh you know safe bets with with you know anything and and public art i'm sure is the same thing if if you if you paint dolly you know people are going to take a selfie in front of it and, and yeah it's going to be and good you're for your gonna, you're gonna get some internet clout and you're gonna pat yourself on the back and then somebody's gonna say i want dolly in my uh my living room yeah. or i want uh this or that and it's I, like i said there i'm just being particular and critical but if you want to go that route knock your socks off yeah i just it's a business I've, some d- I've done it a couple times with with some of the, the 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 kitschy stuff and uh just like oh man well, let me ask you this uh i've run into something recently that i didn't think i was going to ever run into and that is filming these murals and trying to use them in uh, a piece to uh, like in this in in this instance, let's let's say it's a commercial. V a r a. What's V a r a? Visual Artist Rights Act of nineteen ninety two. Okay. In terms of crediting, licensing. Yes. Right. Okay. So when we film this stuff, like let let's say that we want to film the Dolly mural, yeah. uh, because we think that it will make people uh, feel a certain way and feel like they are in Knoxville. Right. Cause everyone uh, knows what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind naming names here. One of them is the greetings tour. One that was done on the side of K brew. Yeah. Uh, another one is the believe yeah. in Nashville mural that, yes. that, that we filmed and, and, and like the negotiations with those artists. Yeah. Uh, we're a real thing and there's real money at stake here. Absolutely. And absolutely. And, you can't use it 
for another purpose. We can't use it in a commercial. You need at least permission. And the permission can just be a simple yes, or I want a credit, or I also want payment for what you intend to use it for. Well, uh, in this case, licensing fees. And, yeah. and I understand. I get it. Like it's weird. you have built something that, or you have, you've have created a piece of art. Uh, it's just like, you can't shoot the Mona Lisa and put it in. Well, any it's also shoot any other, you can look this up too. Did you know that? Like, like when they do the, all the law and order episodes, like SVU and all that shit, I've no mural, well, graffiti guys that are, have worked on show sets or whatever. And they have made, uh, like laminate graffiti tags and stuff. They've had to make tags that don't exist of any moniker and put it over actual graffiti because because of VARA because of VARA they're protected and if you're using that for creative uh whatever production value you have to credit those artists even if it was illegal which is crazy so even that, if it's an illi- even if it's a, graf- a piece of graffiti that was illegally put on the side of a building that artist is that protected artist, if that artist finds it yeah and it stays there they're oh yeah there, That's crazy. Well, there's a uh, the five points thing in uh, in New York City um, was a big huge, tagging spot, was a right? big graffiti mecca. And then I think I don't my my uh, summary is kind of fuzzy on it, but a development company wanted to come in and like demo the walls or whatever. And uh, I think it was Gluck Law Firm that represented them. They 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 stick up for visual artists. Um, they uh, they sued. And they won like millions of dollars and they dished it out to all the graffiti people. So they could knock down their wall? Well, no, because they 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 painted over the graffiti to sell it and turn it into condos. And they had to pay the people who had illegally painted on it? Yeah, because it was like this open-ended type thing and they wow. they had to pay for it. So that is a thing. Vara. Uh, same, Var, yeah, look up Vara. I think it was in 92, I believe. Um, it was a dispute, I think, over a car ad. It's like Bjork or GM. I so forget. probably Supreme Court ruling of yeah, some sort? Yeah, uh, to a degree. Uh, but also, years ago, uh, Revoke, who's a street artist, graffiti guy or whatever, he created this uh, this this uh, mechanism where you press down a bar. It almost looks like a big accordion of spray paint. And he drags it across the wall, and it's a you know a bunch of different spray cans. And so the lines are all consistent with mm-hmm. whatever he moves them. H&M did an ad campaign with his art in the background and didn't credit him. And they were like, fuck you. And they tried to like counter sue the artists, I think. And you can look this up. If you Google like H&M, like graffiti bombing or whatever, a bunch of graffiti artists, street artists went to all the H&Ms, urban outfitters, whatever they own and just splashed paint all over their storefronts because they were fucking with creative license. So what's this bar you're talking about? The accordion thing. Uh, he made this uh, thing where it's like this like long cage and uh, can spray like 12 cans at a it, time. They're, or something. All, they're all lined up at the same time and you press down. It's like, it's like when you, uh, you know, what it reminds me of is like a three ring hole puncher. Yeah. It's like that, but the cans are all like side by side. And then when you press the three ring hole puncher, like the, the bar it depresses it the... depresses and it sprays all the cans and it and he he you know he squiggles it or he'll do whatever everyone knows who it is in the 
street art world because of that because, technique because of that technique and style and it's kind of like his thing mm -hmm. and H&M was like let's throw some teeny boppers you know jumping around in their jeans or whatever and shirts and they were like we they don't... tried to rip that style off or well no they didn't rip it off they shot photos behind his artwork without mm. crediting or compensating gotcha. him or whatever creative licensing yeah and uh H&M stores got tagged, spray painted. By all the disgruntled graph guys. By, oh, yeah. This, <laughs> if you ever, <laughs> and here's what I love about that, like that chaos factor of it is like, I'm a commercial muralist that like likes to have my freedoms and liberties to do certain content at times, but I still kind of like need to follow a track. It's the guys that are out there that are like painting trains and using like fire extinguishers on walls and uh, <laughs> fire extinguishers full of paint. Yeah. And like I, and you know, sometimes when like I see that stuff where it's like the glasses etched or like the, you know, something's tagged in like a restaurant, I'm like, ah, come on. But like the public stuff, like, like damn the man type stuff. Yeah. I think that shit's hilarious. And I'm kind of like it, it kind of, to me, it's like the human spirit is alive and well. All right. Um, well, well, let me ask you then how you feel about people throwing mashed potatoes on a Van Gogh at a museum. Those people are morons because <laughs> I don't know who they were, what country they were from, but uh, there was like something about like big oil. And I was looking at the- It's climate change. It's, looking, all, it's, yeah. all, it's all the grievances rolled into I was one looking at the, the girls and I was like, I'm pretty sure it took oil to dye your hair pink. <laughs> pretty sure there's oil products on the motherboard of your iPhone that you're talking into. There's oils in the dyes of your shirt and the logos that you printed and in your shoes. You're just fucking idiots. Um, but, uh, and then like they sticky glue their hands to the wall. Like I get it, but don't go after uh, priceless art or inflated art, whatever you want to call it. I think the whole art market's a sham anyways, but uh, don't go that route. Like that's, that's, that's a, somebody's creative like life. If you want to do it, Splat, go find the CEO's home or do a, Yeah, chain yourself to his gate. Yeah, or do some, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then they, yeah, they did the tomato soup and then they did the potato soup or whatever. And then they're saying their dumb statement. Like, to me, that's just, look at me, look at me. Let's get some clout and follow my Insta Snapchat. It's ridiculous, man. I'm, People worked hard to do that stuff and, yeah. and it's, well, it's, it's ruining The stuff was else's. covered in glass and, you and know. it was fine. I'm sure if they need to make bail money they'll start an only fans or some shit like that i don't know but it's just like <laughs> I, I i understand the rebellion and we're all like yeah i agree it's a dumb way to go about it especially like upsetting like the art world i mean some of the art world's horse shit honestly but that's just the bad path to go i would <laughs> it reminds me of uh what was it like the nuns or whatever that went into, broke into oak ridge or whatever i don't know about this uh the, the, was it years ago? It was like a couple nuns or ex nuns. They broke into ORNL, like the, past the security breach, and they like smeared blood on the buildings or oh, something. No. This is a while ago. I've been here a dozen years, so I remember they got arrested. But it was just kind of like that was kind of a cool rebellion, um, <laughs> even though it, it accomplished nothing. But uh, that's really that's a really weird thing with like uh, activists on things. You just you know the intentions are good, but the execution's sloppy. Um, so, what about the uh, the dude? What is his name that sold like sixty two million dollars at Sotheby's for an NFT of all of his work? Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, Beeple. Beeple. Yeah. Be so, Beeple have been doing that for 
Ever. Every day. Ever. Every for day. For the last yeah, like called every years. days for like, yeah, 15, 20 years or whatever it is now. Um, and good for him. I don't know how he does it. Um, I can't crank stuff like that out. He does it with Cinema 4D. He does Cinema I, 4D and Blender and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't have any experience with that stuff. Maybe it's some, all digital art. I think he uses some like some Maya as well. Um, but he's well versed in the 3D world, and uh, he caught on and, and uh, like he got on like Joe Rogan and all that other you know big podcast stuff. And uh, the NFT market, man, uh, I know people that are in the NFT market and have done well. It's shit now with cryptocurrency. Um, but like I said, I don't know enough about that or like AI. I, I honestly, man, I I can try and talk to you about that. But I'm gonna stay in my lane with just. But it is paint, a man. it is a different way to look at art, and it's a different way I don't, of valuing. I don't art. see value in it or the metaverse or you anything. Don't. And I'll eat my words in five years when somebody listens to this, and you know, I'm broke with a cup in my hand because I don't have, you know, Facebook property well, digitally or some but shit. The, the but, reason I asked is because you you said that you think kind of the 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 valuation of the art market is kind of bullshit anyway and so it, it t- immediately took me to banksy and it immediately yeah. took me to beeple and so like the people put in the work though uh like your banksy like the stencil art is probably like the lowest form of art in terms of street art now he or she or them have uh i feel like there's a group of people doing that they raise decent concerns about societal issues and stuff but now it's it's just like okay i get it and it's i i i'll uh, i will be spray painting something and a complete stranger will come up to me and ask me hey do you know banksy every artist hears that bullshit just like i can't draw a stick figure it's like we don't care but i know they're trying to associate and be part of something but uh that to me i to me it's money laundering Really? I think it's inflated uh money laundering. Because well, because when you donate to when you donate to a, like a nonprofit, like a museum and such, that becomes a tax write-off. So if you say you had a been say you were tens of millions of dollars, you know, and you're like, "Hey, I don't want to pay taxes on this shit. I had a killer year crushing stocks or NFTs or whatever." Curtis, my buddy, paints me a picture. Hey, Ben, I'll charge you $500 for this painting. All right, sold. With my network, I feel like it's worth, I think, $5 million. And I'm going to raise the stakes on your reputation and, da, 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 and all that stuff. Um, I feel like you need to be associated with the proper business types. If you go to Sotheby's or uh, what's the other auction? Um, I forget. Um, but uh, And you, dec- you declare it as this painting is worth 5 million because Ben owns it and Curtis Glover painted it. Like, okay. It's worth 5 million. You donate that to an auction or a, a museum. That's a write off for you. You just, you just covered. I mean, they do it in politics all the time. I mean, it's, it's utter horse shit. Those paintings are not worth that much. And I feel like a lot of those artists would be turning in their graves. If they knew that it's, it's, it's a rich get richer scheme in my mind. And if you really do kind of like, a deep dive research on it. It's yeah. It's like, well, somebody like MBS owns the most expensive painting in the world at like 140 or maybe more than that. I forget. I was looking at something the other day. It's like, I think I could give two shits about art, but it's a good, it's a good way to hide your assets. Saved him some money. Saved him some money. Well, I doubt he has to pay any taxes, but like 
it's 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 a loophole. Yeah, and Art, now it's worth that now because he owns it. It's, yeah, it's, so he's going to be able to. He's just putting his money somewhere. Yeah, and it's going to be worth one hundred forty yeah. million. So, so, so the art world at the upper echelons, and I'll never get to that point, can be highly exploited. Mm. Um, you there's there's a few artists out there where the the work suffers when they when they aren't like you can kind of see like waves where they're backed by a business entity and they have a like a ghostwriter if you will but in in the art world where they have somebody that paints their own paintings for them or tells them how to paint it and they just fill it in then they post that shit on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. They're like, "Oh, look at me, look at me." You know, and then uh and then they, you know, they, it's like the same people that are taking pictures of stacks of cash on the bed and you know or driving the car that's leased by the business guy like it's it's a whole front in front of the rented private jet in front of the rented private jet or the the selfie uh tube that you can rent out to take your you know forex trading uh you know instagram lifestyle bullshit like there's so much fake shit but a lot of people believe that because a lot of people are gullible and it gives it value because it, it people gives it believe value it. you could yeah there's no intrinsic value to that most of that artwork. Um, it's it's what you make of it, and that is the beauty of it if you can get in on it. And it's also the frustration of it if you're putting out a pretty good product uh, uh, skill wise and nobody gives a shit. Yeah. So it's, it seems like scarcity is a big part of it. It's too. a it's a mixed bag, man. And I don't really know how to go about it. I just tend to focus. I invest on the people that invest in me, hmm. and I try and give them the best outcome, whether it's locally, regionally wherever if you like the shit i do let's work together do some cool stuff but i i i don't i don't want to like succumb to that level of just generic bullshit where you have like somebody privately funding you for cranking out mediocrity like alec monopoly for for instance the guy that paints all the monopoly characters the richie rich shit mm. like you see some of that guy's work individually when he like paints a wall with like no theme to it it's terrible but this guy's you know got the dyed hair and the you know in the jet or in the pool or in the car or whatever and it's the same shit and it's just like bot comments over and over and like fake comments it's all bot shit because like i could i could go home tonight and buy 20k followers followers for how i don't even know how much it costs not much um because i lose i gain and lose people every day i don't give a shit but there's people that make a living off fake inflation of of worth because that's kind of what our society's based around yeah. unfortunately well people are starting to see through it too I, I because well, if you have yeah. if curtis glover has a hundred thousand instagram followers and you post something and it, it gets, gets like 50 likes. 40 likes yeah. then i know you you can see the ratio on a lot of these folks yeah it's it's interesting to where you're like that should be at least like 20k like people interacting. there should be conversion and there there it, should it, be conversion rate yeah and when it's like somebody's got like uh 50k people you're like oh fuck they're like they're big time and then it's like 50 likes five comments you're like okay they're either maybe they're uh what is it the when they're 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 uh, shadow banned or whatever? Oh yeah. But if you're doing public art, you're not going to get shadow banned unless you have a right. very volatile political idea right. that, that you're promoting. Right. And then you go, oh, 
and I I have met people at mural festivals and uh, befriended some people where I'm like, oh, this guy's big time, and then I realize, oh, I can tell they bought. They bought. Mm. They 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 just wanted to get the instant clout because everyone gives a shit. And I've told people this before, and I've told younger up and coming artists this: I go, don't worry about the popularity bullshit contest because all those people that peaked in high school and settled, they're they're doing their thing right now. That's that nobody gives a shit anymore. That that shit leaves. So stay true to yourself. Popularity stay, doesn't matter. Popularity doesn't matter. I would rather uh, have. 20 followers that have bought my work or hired me than 20,000 people that just give me a stupid ass fire emoji for saying good job or whatever. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's, it's, it's all hollow. It's all inflated artificial. I mean, talking about artificial intelligence. Some people act like artificial intelligence (laughs) just to get a comment out there. I'm just, you know, like, I know it sounds kind of harsh, but it's just some, This dumb shit out there, but um, uh, anyways, I forgot our original point. But yeah, there is a there is a lot of deception, uh, in terms of worth of art, and you know, as a rebuttal, because somebody could say I wouldn't pay that much for something that you're charging for, and go fair enough, you're not in my target market. That's okay, right? So, but I think there is a very apples to apples, uh, kind of meritocracy that you're working within. Like your your art is worth what it's worth because yeah. every day people are paying you to make it. Yeah. And well, not the, every day, but yeah, for the most part. But but I'm the grinding. but and the more you make it, and the more you do, I mean, the more popular you become, you know, the more valuable that's becoming. And so, I think, you know, Jerry's Artorama got a got a got a deal, got a. Yeah, you know, they because they got deal. you on the they got you on the they got you on the ground floor, and now I'm and, and now they couldn't hire you to do it, you know. And now I'm trying to, uh, I I got some more prints that I'm gonna make, and I'm gonna put them in the front there and sell them, and you know, I'm in good graces with them, and they've helped me out a lot. So there's kind of like that that good symbiotic relationship. Um, well, I I feel like you, I don't know, I I feel like you're. You know, you you're not gonna you're not gonna sell out. You're not gonna chase you're not gonna chase popularity. You are going to continue to have that chip on your shoulder that makes you uh, want to strive to make your art on your terms and to a degree, yeah. Because yeah. I still got to pay bills and like adhere to certain guidelines. But um, now what I could pull on you though is I could have a different pseudonym or whatever the term is do you are you stinko or panda no you're no. not i'd like to meet those guys i like some of their work the you the, don't know who they are no i, I like heavens I, 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 like, I, like, I feel like you are a, you know the underground graffiti I maybe world have you heard their names or of them or probably walked by them at a bar but um no i uh i don't know if stinko's still here um i see panda's heaven spots everywhere and he did work at beard and beer market which i've done work for um uh i don't I don't really run across a lot of those guys. We're kind of all uh, in different places, I think. Um, it would be cool to be like, hey, I'm the mural guy and these are all the, 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 the taggers and writers, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm, I wouldn't be accepted, which is which is okay. I mean, I'm You're, sure- You are the sellout to them, maybe. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm like the the man, the, the system or whatever. Right. But um, uh, if I did sell out, you would never know I did it. And I would only do it because I'd want to treat my loved ones 
to better things, life experiences, just to get some money out of it <laughs> and and live, you know, maybe buy a piece of property on, on the Holston or some shit like that or whatever. Where Can I, I come fish there with you? <laughs> You're going to be the guide. Okay. You're going to park, your, your boat's coming out of the driveway and we're going to park it at my property. So you have to come. Yeah, okay. It'll be like a, uh, it'll be, <laughs> you'll be like, uh, the court will order you to, uh, like, like, you know, to see your kids, you'll be ordered to, uh, take me fishing at least like two or three times a I month. I dig it, dude. I will be the, uh, I'll be the Cato Kalen on the property there. Just be, be, be captain, my captain. <laughs> so. Dude, we've uh, we've covered a lot. Is there? I mean, I'm sure we'll do this again soon. But is there anything no, off good. the top of your head that we've uh, that we've that we've missed? Um, besides a few other mural work, um, I did just come back from Memphis, where I did do a personal piece that I went pretty crazy on in terms of my own style and a bunch of bright paint. Um, Was it Paint Memphis? Just Paint Memphis every October. Um, I don't know if I'll be back or back yet or not for next year i gotta figure that out but um i did this thing when i see so many pit bulls in memphis and i was mm. like i'm gonna do a pit bull piece it's gonna be controversial maybe sure. but yeah. let's fucking do it so i picked out a purebred and like a mix and when i was painting the mural um so the whole idea was um there's the, these, these chains breaking and these lilies in the background with this color spectrum and these two different pit bulls with these color fade tones and uh the references i found that chain things online and did my own version of them but the lily was a bouquet of flowers i had bought my girlfriend and it was the last lily to bloom out of the bouquet or whatever and i was like that turned out really good so we took took some i took some pictures of it and i go that's going in the mural it's just a pretty flower and uh so i uh i incorporated that and uh, I wanted to just showcase the polarity of those dogs, that, that, that type of breed where you got people that love pit bulls that own three of them, and you got people that hate pit bulls because mm -hmm. of what the news portrays and all that, much like people, you know? And uh, so I, uh, I, I was doing it, and then I got uh, a call from another graffiti buddy, and then the director and said, Hey, by the way, did you hear about that thing in Shelby County, which is Memphis and a pit bull like mangled, killed like two kids, mm. like a toddler and a baby and put, They'll the, do that. and put the wife in ICU. And I'm like, Oh man, this was after you painted it. This was during before I even painted the dogs, but I was in the middle of getting the flowers oh, and the no. color spectrum. And they go, just let you know, that's what happened. And I go, I'm still fucking doing it. Um, so I did it and I uh, had so many people, all walks of life, come up. I was in the major. I, I was in the major intersection uh, in the Broad Arts Avenue uh, or Broad Avenue Arts District in East Memphis, and hooting and hollering from cars. People coming up and saying, "Oh, I own pit bulls. Thank you for showing this." I had like pit bull advocacy centers like repost it and all that kind of stuff. I'm personally, I like Australian shepherds. I love those dogs, <laughs> but. But I wanted to like bring that attention because it reminded me of Memphis. But I, I, what I did was the chains are breaking to like break the reputation of how vicious pit bulls can be and race for fighting. But I overloaded it with the lilies to show the softness and inside where they can, they're good with children. Mm. They're good family dogs. Depends. And I, I didn't put it in the post, but I entitled when I told people about the project, 
it's entitled product of your environment. Mm. And my whole goal was it's to It's a nature versus nurture Nature thing. versus nurture thing and your upbringing because uh, it comes down to how you're treated and influenced as a, as a child um, or as a, you know, young being, you know, you can go different routes and, you know, it's like, have you ever met, uh, you ever met like a, like a person that you think is like a shitty parent? It's like, you're probably going to have a shitty kid. If you're a <laughs> shitty person, you're probably going to have a shitty kid, you know? And so it, like you said, it's nature versus nurture. And I wanted to show that your life can go different directions. So why not show love early on to people, uh, whether it's acquaintances or friendships or business partnerships or your spouse or whatever, um, especially when minds are malleable, malleable. Um, why not show love because that energy can be translated or, or uh, um, you know, uh, changed over into uh, somebody else. Somebody mm. can take that love, that compassion, that, that care, that, 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 that caring, you know, ness, if you will, that's a word. And it's it, not, it's not whatever. <laughs> it's not MLA format asshole, but um, uh, that didn't even make sense either. But, um, uh, but like, if you can take that attitude and that positive uh, tone, it can translate to that person and then they can give that love and compassion out. And it's like an energy transfer, if you will, I'm not going to get all hippy dippy crystal on you. Um, but, uh, but, or you can treat somebody bad or abuse them. That becomes trauma. That's what they know. It, 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 it transports, it, it translates later on in life and it's, and it hurts. So I wanted to show the theme of like upbringing and caring for people or things or, you know, animals and the outcome can be a lot better if, mm. you know, you, you put in the effort just like in trying to do something unique in the art world. Um, the outcome can become a lot better and a lot more beautiful than, going with the easy negative route of how to treat people and be <laughs> coming from a cynic too, which is kind of funny, <laughs> but, um, uh, but just that whole, uh, outlook, that positive outlook of giving that energy and then having it translate into something good for that person that they can then give to the next person. And then it just, you know, creates stronger bonds and better behavior and all that. So I did that and, uh, I think it turned out great. And it was in the most prominent spot of the mural festival. They gave you top billing. I think they did. There was like 150 artists, and there were some killers there that crushed it. Um, and I got to meet everybody and hang out and stuff like that. But I was there for it's a one day event. I was there for ten days, painting, painting the whole time. Painting the whole time. Get up at you know six thirty, six forty five. Um, paint till sunset get a meal here and there, uh, befriended some of the restaurants and, you know, got some hookups and whatnot. Um, and, uh, sold a painting when I was there at a, a graffiti gallery down the street, which was cool. Um, and it was just, it was cool. It's, it's, it's like my spraycation to fuck off and <laughs> do whatever I want to do. And it's, it was for the city. I could have done completely something else, but I've always kind of themed it towards Memphis and just the, gives me goosebumps thinking about it right now. Just like the feeling and the praise and the, 
the people honking and, and all that kind of stuff. They're like, keep going, you know, awesome. It's like I was running a freaking marathon and they're handing me a water cup or something or Gatorade, <laughs> like, and I'm just sitting there spray painting a dog's fur, right? you know, and doing the chains and the flowers and all that kind of stuff. That is what it's about. Doing something pure and genuine and getting a genuine public response. That's what it's about. Not paint, not paint wings. So. Man, it's, it's, you know, that painting is beautiful with the pit bull and the chains. I saw it on your Instagram. It's really pretty. I appreciate it. Uh, it is amazing to me to hear that, that that's the thought process that went into it because I was wondering why you did it. Well, I've been wanting to put stories behind things. And then I go, you know what? Leave it open to interpretation because that's what art is anyways. But but you did put a story behind it. It wasn't just some bullshit that you dreamt up and thought would be pretty. You put thought into it. Yeah. And, but it, and you wanted to tell yeah. a textured story. Yeah. And there's like a vividness to it that is, I thought, my style. And after painting the, the muted mural at Diamond Jack and some other things, I was like, let's just go bonkers. And this is a cool idea. I thought of it. I talked to my girlfriend about it. And... uh I was like, I think this might be kind of a cool idea. And then uh, it got like debated a few times about, do I want to do this? And I was like, I think I do. And, and Well, you took a chance. I mean, it, it's it's a touchy subject. It, pit bulls are like the the AR-15 yeah. of dogs. Like yeah. it kind of becomes a it's, flag. It's a gun you can pet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but not just that. <laughs> not just, yes, I guess it is. But yeah. also it becomes like this big divisive image. You know, you like see, I said, it's, it's polarizing. It's, it's super polarizing. Either, either I love, I got DMs from people that are like, oh man, it reminds me of just of my little Bruno or whatever. And I never got, I haven't got any hate. Um, Yet, I'm sure I will at some point, but um, people are like, thank you so much for showcasing the way these dogs actually are, the ones that are bad or shitty owners. Like, people take pride in that. So, like, there's definitely a, uh, a a prideful following of that type of animal. And I just was like, I have nothing to do with it. I have no connection to it. It was just in my mind, and I just wanted to express it artistically. And that's the kind of shit that I want to pull off in Knoxville with little to no direction where somebody mm. says, and that's why I'm looking at the walls. Like we talked about the KGIS thing where I'm just like, Hey, if I had to bite the bullet on a few things, I want to do some, some out there stuff. And that's not like crazy out there, but like, I want to take some risks right, and not just have a bunch of mountain settings or, uh, safe stuff, safe stuff, but also like, it, you know, safe stuff can look nice and it's, it's what's, you know, the thing here at times, but I'm waiting for those clients at a left field to be like, Hey man, I got this really fucked up idea. Um, that's beautiful at the same time. And, uh, if we could talk about it over some beers, uh, I have this business that, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever niche it is, like I saw your work and here's my influences. What do you think? Ready, set, go. And even if it wasn't like a top, build like budget i'd be like just the fact that you're that passionately motivated and hungry and supportive let's do some cool shit let's 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 get in the lab and mix some things up because and i i know. think you're the perfect guy to work with for for out there bonkers crazy ideas and and things that are edgy and may even be controversial because even with the paint memphis topic that you chose with the dogs yeah 
you weren't trying to make a statement, really. No, you weren't, you weren't why, trying to convince anybody why, one way or the that's other. That's why I didn't put a description out on it. It's just, it is what it is. You either go, oh, that's pretty, or you go, oh, they're showing oh, the, with the chains breaking with the dogs and the rape. Like, you can interpret it however you want to. But that's what, and that's what makes you a fucking artist, man. Exactly. Is that, is that you're making something that is up to interpretation, yeah. and the way that it makes somebody feel yeah. is the thing that you made. You may have put paint on something and you may have created an image but really what you are creating is the feeling that somebody feels when they see it i i would be just as happy as if you looked at something i did that was a little out there that made you want to hug your significant other or ruffled your feathers and pissed you off and you sent me a message telling me to f off or whatever like because it evoked a response and i've said that before in other interviews and new stuff where it's like I want you to feel something and I'm not always going to be your cup of tea and that's okay. And that's fine. But I'm going to, uh, you know, hunker down on what I think I'm good at and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, whether you like it or not. And I hope you're doing the same thing too. And if it affects you in a certain way, maybe you might open my perspective in a different way too, where I didn't consider a certain thing and I go, Oh, I never saw it that way. Mm. Then that gives me another idea and a fork in the road that I can go down and say, this person that didn't like my work or whatever said this, and now I can consider that. And is that even a better creative direction or can I go against it even more? Like, it's just like, I want to be that, that, that cut in the roof of your mouth that you got to keep tonguing to where <laughs> you like, it's always there. It's always agitating. Eventually you could heal or you could leave it as an open sore. But I just want, I just want people to, uh, to enjoy the public artwork for better or worse. And sometimes a client will determine that. And sometimes I might be able to determine that personally with the freedom I have at some mural festivals and other activities and events. So um, we'll just see where it goes, man. Well, that's why I think you're the best in the business. And I appreciate you coming over and sitting and talking to me about it. I think I'm a lot smarter now after talking I to wouldn't, you. I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but, but I always like talking to you, man. And I know we always uh, go probably further time-wise than the other podcast but uh it's like talking to a buddy over beers shoot some whiskey so uh i'm always uh happy to talk to you about anything man cheers man i love you i'm glad cheers, you're bud. here all right man take care see you Woo, boy how do we do marathon baby that's what happens when you get a couple of guys who aren't afraid to dig in and dig around in the brain, in the thoughts. I'm so glad Curtis did it, and I'm very grateful that you guys listened to our chat, and I appreciate you being here. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Please take care of each other, and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next week, all right? Pitch wire, play me out.